0: Comic timing. He is a proud member of the pod.
1: Ah, Stop
0: screwing it up of the Comics Podcast Network. Bitch. Bitch. Bitch? Welcome to episode 202 of Comic Timing, a comics podcast with a to the average comic book fan, from the average comic book fan. Joining us, Brent Casino, rotating panel with guests on my and myself, Ian Levice and discuss whatever comes to mind time after time here on Comic Timing. We're a little bit more rotating than usual tonight as we bring back an old favorite and discuss a little bit of inside baseball on comics and where we're heading in the world of COVID-19. Here now, Comic Timing. Hey there, folks. My name's Ian Levistein, and welcome to episode 202 of Comic Timing. Brent is back. What's up, Brent?
2: You said old favorite. Were you talking about Jamal or Chris?
0: I am talking about Jamal. Chris is Chris is what rotating. Chris? Chris is rotating. Chris, Chris is back for, for this. She's she's been she's been on like three out of the last four episodes or something. Like, come on, Chris. I'm just trying that's to just pick sad. fights. I
2: love you both. <laughs> but
3: that's just like sad because that means you haven't recorded that many episodes because you were still living in the other apartment. I know. You
0: recorded. I'm a hundred percent aware of that statement.
2: We don't record. Hey, this if we show can enough. put out two episodes during a pandemic, I think we're okay. That's as
0: close as we could possibly get, and you know what? I'm a okay with that. Brandon's back too. Brando, what up? Uh, Brandon, we can now no longer hear you.
1: Sorry, I have myself muted. I said hello, my <laughs> friends. It's good to hear voices that are not people I live with or people I see at the market as I'm trying to dodge touching hello
0: (laughs) yes it it is it is it is very nice to hear other voices as well and it's very nice to hear jamal's voice as was alluded to by mr Cassina.
4: hello people how are you all
0: we are hanging in there i think that's as good as we could put it (laughs) oh my god it's it's been two months man it's been two months of this shit
3: i've Uh, aged
1: 30 years (laughs) in two months
3: i've watched three star trek shows uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, which ones? Well, no, technically, I finished uh, original series last fall, but I've watched TNG and DS9, and now I've started Voyager. Mm.
4: Oh, my mm. God.
5: Because
3: my, I'm in it! I'm in it for the long haul, baby! <laughs>
4: my wife's working her way through DS9 as we speak. She's finishing up the first season.
0: Nice. I've been watching all of Cheers over the last couple of weeks. I'm on season, almost up to season seven, I think at this point. So I'm on the first post Diane
4: season. I I have been watching things that I never thought I would watch. I've been watching a lot of Chinese dramas. Really? Yes. Huh.
0: Interesting. Uh, yes. Like like what, what type of Chinese dramas?
4: Uh, first one I watched was a series called The Hansen Siblings. And then uh, the one that I just finished was called Once Upon a Time on Liang Mountain. Hmm. And it's basically like these Chinese kung fu dramas, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of dancing. There's some music involved, you know, lots of reading, (laughs) lots of reading, lots and lots of reading. (laughs) It, It basically sounds like the Chinese equivalent to Bollywood. Pretty much. But, you know, in my house, there's a fight for the big television that I usually lose. (laughs) So (laughs) I take my shots where I can. And since Corinne and Katie are usually watching everything else – I have to pick something that nobody else is going to watch because I'm probably like half watching whatever it is they're watching. Fair enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've been watching a lot of uh, a lot of YouTube on on my off time, and like uh, Dark Side of the Ring has been my latest obsession. I've just been running through that on Vice lately.
4: Yeah, I just finished watching the Road Warriors episode. Yeah, that was depressing. It was very depressing. (laughs) They're all depressing, but
0: yeah.
2: Well. the wrestling one. sucks out your soul thanks vince mcmahon
0: <laughs> please no the one the one before that with uh, what was it the uh the uwf that one that one was its own level of craziness mr uh i'm going to uh to do all the cocaine in the world and uh and wind up killing myself in the process mm. good times
4: yeah you start with Chris Benoit one and just work your way down from there oh, well, is that even possible it is. It is, actually. Wow.
0: <laughs> they found a way, man. They found a way. <laughs> they did snooker this season, too. So, like, the, they, you know, the whole, uh, yes, he did kill that woman, but he never wound up, wound up actually going to jail for it.
4: Yeah, Jeez. no, the, the next one up in the queue is the Dino Bravo episode. Oh. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, you're going to you're gonna like that one, too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you guys have been watching TV. I've been falling back and playing a a dead MMO. So hooray!
0: Oh, I, I, I've been I've been playing a farm simulator. Uh, it's called Animal Crossing. I don't know if you've heard of it.
1: Oh uh, no, uh, no, no, no! I've never heard it before. Can you explain it to me, please, in detail? Uh, yes.
0: Uh, <laughs> there, mm-hmm. there we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that, that basically sums it up.
4: Yeah, there, there's an entire like you know sub group of comics pros who are just talking Animal Crossing like all day.
1: Do you have any strawberries? Give strawberries. I, get I some spiders.
4: I I do not play animal crossing i do not play any video games actually
0: i don't play a lot of video games but the ones i have been playing during this pandemic have been animal crossing just dance and let's sing
4: let's sing
0: let's sing is basically the karaoke version of just dance
4: yeah oh <sighs> ah, okay okay yeah all right yeah I'm, I'm strangely the broadway kid in me is good with that <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I, I the best part about it is that you don't even need a USB microphone anymore. There, there's actually an app you can download on your phone that connects wirelessly to the game.
4: Because, of course, there is.
2: Yeah,
0: so you basically just use your phone as the microphone.
2: You know, you can come down and play those two games with Olivia anytime. Yeah. Just come down. Me and Amanda will leave. We'll put Noah to bed. (laughs) And uh, you guys have fun. And we'll just tuck her in when we get back from our date. Sounds like a great time.
0: Great. Sounds like a plan. I'm not coming to Florida anytime soon. Um
3: (laughs) 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 Ian. Is that, is that some kind of Ian's not a real gamer snark
2: no <laughs> no that w- that, that was just dance, yeah, we have it on the xbox exactly and she'd probably like just sing too if she could read. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there but she's not quite there T-
0: tonight we played mario kart with a uh, with a uh, a 5 year old and a 3 year old and every time even though the 3 year old lost every single time every time the game ended he would go i won i won cuz he passed the finish line and then he would be like no and then his father would be like no actually
2: ian won and he would be like
0: oh Aw, man
4: oh <laughs>
2: Yeah. It's
5: so adorable. I tried, to teach,
2: yeah. I tried to teach Olivia sonic racing on the Xbox or oh, something no. and she did not get the hang of it. <laughs> I was like, man might have to wait a little bit longer.
5: Just a yep.
4: smidgen. <laughs> Just wait until Olivia gets old enough that she can be like Katie and spend all of her time playing Roblox and flight simulators.
0: I I approve, man. That's that that's that's some heavy shit right there.
4: Yeah, but it's a problem when she's supposed to be doing her Zoom classroom and she's playing Roblox at the yeah, same time. Yeah, that's Dude, fair. it's a
2: weird time. School is not going to matter. <laughs> uh, don't, don't tell me that. You're not even going to be open in the fall.
4: <laughs> oh, you can't listen. I'm. I'm. Listen. I've already. I I tell you guys this in in the in the spirit in which it is given. My mother works for the health department. Yeah. I hear all the horror stories. Oh, yeah. We are in this for a long, long time. Yeah. I, yeah. I am not setting foot in a restaurant or a movie theater or anything until there's a vaccine protocol.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. And Don't I'm, tell my wife that because she's opening back up next week.
0: Really. Uh, <sighs> Well, it, it, keep keep that mask on
4: at all times. That's all I'm saying.
2: That's, yeah, I mean, she that's that's her plan. She ordered some gloves. She's yeah. got a
4: face shield as well. No, you that's know. good. As long as looks as long as she's taking the precautions. Yeah, that's fine. But you know, it's it's the other people that I mean, we you know, even here, you know, because I have to get up, I get up early and I go out late to walk the dog and every so often you'll see somebody without a mask coughing Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. i gotta make a take a wide berth because corinne already had it <laughs> i you know, i hear uh, we're waiting we're waiting for the results from her antibody test oh boy or, Jeez. yes yeah, she had it and it, it was still lingering for like a month afterwards yeah I so just now like within like the last week or so like almost a hundred percent
0: I'm 95 percent certain that both my mother and and her husband uh, uh, had it at one point. Just yeah. because they had all the symptoms, and luckily it it came and went pretty quickly for them, but they they had they had it lingering for at least two to three weeks. But you know, it's said and done at this point. So yeah. you know that that is what it is. I mean, you did sort of segue into some of the things that I was that I was going to be asking you off the off the top of the off the top of the boat here, Jamal. And that's, right. I mean, as a comics professional, I mean, how how have you been dealing with? The changes of, of COVID nineteen and I mean in the business so far, you know. I mean, obviously, you know what you are working on has has probably changed at least a little bit. Like, like how what what does the average comic book artist do? And you are more than average uh, in in this in this sort of scenario.
4: Well, I think it really depends on the company, actually, more than anything. I mean, for me, it's a little bit different because both of my projects are either you know creator owned self-financed right or you know in the case of ahoy they bank everything before books are released mm-hmm. so you know i'll have like i just got i'm going to get the script for the second part of the wrong earth uh, probably this weekend i got the the uh, one page so far just to kind of like tease where things are going right and then i just finished the the pencils for white Almost a, a little over a week ago, mm-hmm. like almost two weeks ago. Okay. So it hasn't really been too much of a disruption for me mm-hmm. in terms of work. I know other people who have got who, you know, when the word started getting out that people were people were getting furloughed from Marvel, got the pencils down. You know, phone call that you know, project, you know, ancillary projects were, if not being shelled, at least postponed for the time being. Right. I think a lot of that was trying, was the companies themselves trying to figure out how they were going to get books out. Because Diamond having to shut down completely was a blow. Like, oh yeah, that was really done with very little notice oh sure
0: yeah i mean that that was i mean it kind of it kind of just happened like in a sweep you know because like they, they had been saying for a while that they were going to try to stay open and just all of a sudden it's like nope can't do it well you know i think
4: the initially part of it was because a lot of the printers in canada had to shut down and uh you know, if you're printing domestically, you're either printing be- through uh, Transcontinental, mm-hmm. which is you know, which is like the the big industry. Like everybody prints their books at the, on the same run right. through Transcontinental, for example. Yeah. So when Transcontinental had the shutdown when they were dealing with dealing with the pandemic in the early days back in March, that was one thing. But then you turn around, you come to find out that a lot of these retailers basically left diamond hanging and we already knew that diamond was operating on basically you know a shoestring budget as it was oh sure we just didn't realize that they had that little cash on hand which was surprising to me considering all the assets that jeppy has right
0: i mean in some ways it says just how little money the comic book industry has been making Over these, you know, last few years. I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, we see stories about, you know, how Marvel and DC's numbers have had actually been going up over the last few years. But that only does so much for an industry that on the regular is kind of in a struggle.
4: Well, I mean, it really depends on which portion of the industry you're talking about. You know, Diamond's main Business model is catering to the direct market, but that's not the market that's growing. The market that's growing is bookstores. Yes, so the brick and mortar bookstores are actually doing doing better, and you know, it's still, I think they're still delivering product. Mm-hmm. Diamond became a monopoly out of necessity, not out of want. Right. Basically, they were they were literally the last man standing after the consolidation. After DC and Marvel went, after DC went exclusive originally, and then Marvel bought Heroes World, and then Heroes World and Capital both kind of went, they're, they're dissolved at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it only left Diamond as the, the one company that was really willing to cater strictly to the direct market. Right. Yeah. You know, and it worked for the time being. mm mm-hmm. When they needed it to, but the 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 industry has changed. What the buying habits of younger readers, especially, has changed colossally. So I think that you know, going forward, it's going to, you know we're all going to have to adjust to the reality that it isn't just about comic shops anymore and it isn't just about superhero comics anymore right
0: yeah and 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 chris i mean you you touched on some of that in your in your article that that you put out you know near the beginning of this pandemic for engadget on on how you know what digital was uh was was doing for the comic book industry and what it wasn't doing you know distribution wise and stuff like that
3: Well, I mean, first off, I wanted to say you're talking about how the comic industry has been operating on these thin margins the past few years. But it's not just the comic book industry. A lot of different corporate concerns have been like, oh, no, we have no money because they just dump their money into things like stock buybacks instead of putting it away for a rainy day, which is this is the rainiest of days they will ever have. Right. Um, But I mean, I do feel like, you know, well, my whole piece was basically talking about how there's just this loyalty to comic shops so they don't want to they'll do anything to not to like keep from undercutting the comic shops which is why you know years ago do they still do digital codes
4: uh yeah no they stop. who does marvel stop doing the digital
0: marvel i think marvel still does last i checked um although i know that they're shutting down their quote-unquote marvel digital store which never really made much sense to me in the first place because it, it was basically just feeding back in the comicsology anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So i i I still buy uh, digital codes off of Reddit uh, for, for, okay. re- for for recent books. So unless that uh, that's a recent change, they do still
4: offer that for most of their titles. They don't. They really don't advertise it. then. <laughs> they sure as hell don't.
3: <laughs> well, it, it definitely goes into what I mentioned. Is just that there's this loyalty to comic shops and it's kept the industry from moving forward because you look at every other industry you look at bookstores were just slaughtered by Amazon and they found a new path forward and Mm -hmm. the music industry didn't give a shit about music stores and the thing is as the consumer we're kind of fine with that but with comic shops there's just this emotional attachment to them and anything that disrupts the status quo is basically like people are throwing holy water and garlic at it because it's like the worst thing in the world. Oh, the I fact-
4: absolutely agree. I got into a, a conversation with somebody on Twitter. His whole thing was, it, you know, it's my place. You know, it's where I go to, to be social with people. Mm-hmm. And I was making the, the argument that, you know, it's fine that you feel that way, but it's still a business. <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> it's it's it, You know, it's it's not it's not the it's not the playground.
4: You know, like,
0: right? You can't go in there and just and just chat and not buy anything and expect them to stay in business.
3: Yeah, that's funny, Ian, that you say that because you know years ago I used to write a column for the comic book emag, mm. and I mentioned how comic. I felt this is me at twenty years old, being a like, you know, comic shops should really be more like independent bookstores and have chairs and and like reading events and like somebody emailed me to just be like, you don't know what you're talking about? Yeah, they insulted me a little bit, like, you know, you dumb bitch kind of (laughs) thing. Like, You know, comic shops aren't social things. I'm in business, you know, to make money. So I just think it's really funny to hear someone say, oh, it's my social gathering place. Because, I mean, speaking as, like, a femme-bodied person, it's not always that for me. I have had shit thrown at me. Not as much as women in other towns. I mean, we're in New York. We're very lucky to have such a nice comics community, yeah. but it's never been the place I want to go to to meet other geeks, because there's always the bad element, you know, the the creeper, or that... Ian, do you remember that weirdo guy at Midtown Comics who used to, like, take every single issue off the shelf? Oh,
0: I sure as hell do, because he is Raph's most least liked person in the world. Because, basically, he would be there for what amounted to about four hours uh, every Wednesday, and he would just... Pick the rack. He would go through every single one until he found the perfect issue he was looking for, and then they'd have to restock everything because Ooh. because he'd wind up messing up the order um, almost every single time. He had to be yelled at, and I think at one point he was even banned from Midtown because he was basically you know messing with their business because you know well, they you- better do
2: that next month with COVID. Oh my God, you ain't
0: kidding. <laughs> I don't, I don't think the dude I don't think the dude shops there anymore, and I I don't know what the hell happened to him, but I know at one point that was what he would do every single comic wednesday which was ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I think you can ask Rath, they might have called the cops on him at least once cuz yeah. I think they asked him to leave and he put up a fight.
0: Yep, basically. Yeah. And I mean, Isotope is a perfect example of a comic shop that gets it right. You know, they it is as much of a, you know, sit down and relax with the comics that you've already bought, you know, type of place. And they even have like a little like, reading area in, uh, on the side for kids where you don't even necessarily have to buy anything, expe- fully mm-hmm. expecting that the parents are going to wind up you know, buying stuff for themselves or for the kids while they're in there um, right. and yeah. still have a, a, a relaxing, you know socialized environment while still being a store.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a shop that made national news in my area called Amalgam Comics. Uh, yeah. They were a shop which operates as a coffee shop. As their main business, so yep. comic books on one side, coffee shop on the other side, and then you buy your books, and then you move over to the other side, and you have this social interaction, yeah. this social this experience is just to sit down and you know read your books like a like a like a normal person almost. You know, yeah. it's 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 the idea that you know you don't have to be forced out of a shop to go read your books. You they invite you in to you know to stay and actually interact with other people.
0: What was not a good idea was a very short-lived comic shop in around, like, West 4th Street in Manhattan. And, Jamal, I don't know if you remember this, but it was a mm. burger shop slash comic shop?
4: I remember that. Yes, I do remember it, actually.
0: Yeah, because nothing screams flipping through <laughs> comics better than greasy fry fingers. <laughs>
3: Isn't there still a place in Queens that does that exact thing? I, th-
0: I think there is in Queens. Yeah, but the one the one in particular that I'm thinking of in Manhattan, like I, we went to it once, and I was just like, this isn't going to
4: work. It, <laughs> it didn't last long, actually. No,
0: it did not. <laughs> so, I, I wonder why. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, Action Burger, right?
0: Yes,
4: Action Burger. Okay. That's that's because it. Because
3: there's Action Burger in uh, looks like Brooklyn, actually. Okay.
4: Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think the I don't think the Action Burger in Brooklyn I don't think they're trying to sell books. I think it's just the the whole comic book motif is what they're going for. I don't think they have any like, you know, comics in stock at at that Action Burger. Yes.
3: Oh, thank God.
4: <laughs> I can't I can't even imagine. But it's actually it's really funny that we're talking about this because one of the things that I was talking about with my wife was the idea that, you know, because now, especially, you know, one of the things that DC is doing along, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, once we start talking about, you know, the new distributors. Right. Is that they eliminated the week's grace period between comic shops and bookstores mm-hmm. for new releases yeah. for tra- for trades and graphic novels.
0: Which is smart to me. I mean, that... But
4: now, you're going to have... Comic shops are going to need to step up their game to have to compete with some of the bookstores. Sure. In order to keep that uh, keep those uh those customers. One of the things is like my local shop is a place called Galaxy over, over here in Park Slope. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they did when they moved was they put their graphic novel, their kids' graphic novel section right in the front of the store. Oh and wow. we're talking like three huge bookcases. Of, of kids' graphic novels is brightly lit as soon as you walk in. And there's lots of space between the walls so that they, you know, kids can gather and look and, and browse and everything. And then all the rest of the comics are in the back of the, in, towards the back of the store, past the toys. And they do very well, or they were doing well before all this went down. Right. But I feel like a lot of comic shops... Are hesitant to even try to do anything that will make the store uh, more family friendly, in spite of what some of them say they want to do. Right.
0: Yeah, and, and that's. I think that's the the battle between, uh, you know, forty five year old comic guy and you know, fourteen year old comic guy, which <laughs> which I feel like that differentiation gets you know, wider and wider every year instead of closer where they feel like they need to appease to the old school fan. Right. It, forgetting that eventually the old school fan's going to die.
4: <laughs> but uh, but then you'll get the old school fans who are constantly making the argument that the company should be appe- trying to appeal to them. Right. As opposed to trying to appeal to the kids. You know, it's like, it's okay for the kids to read our books, but you should be catering to us. Yeah. You know, we're the ones who, who've carried you through all these years. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. But, but uh, that, that's all well and good. Uh, where are you going to be in 20, in 20 years? Exactly. <laughs> Brent, I wanted to, I wanted to bring you in for a minute. Uh,
2: have comic shops reopened in Florida yet? Do you know? Um, I have not seen anything. I follow to, and I know that the Coliseum Comics chain, there's like nine stores down here in Central Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the one that I was going to a lot before I went digital. And they're, they were doing curbside pickup as of like two weeks ago. Right. And they were still doing, everybody was still doing mail order. Epic Comics in Orlando, which is right by me, was still doing mail order for a while. And uh, Almando, the owner there, does a lot of like live streams every week. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron fr- Howland from A Comic Shop which is also in Orlando, has been selling stuff like crazy on Facebook Live, and I don't know how he does that. He, I actually been to a couple of events with him, just random stuff. He knows a friend of a friend of mine, uh, so he pops up here and there when I our little friend group sometimes gets together. But like it's, uh, he's been selling like crazy, so he's motivated to sell, and I have not seen that same initiative taken from like the big Coliseum chain or. Uh, Epic Comics, which is just like one or two or three guys uh, that run that little shop, so there's varying degrees of enthusiasm on how we're going to stay alive during this COVID stuff. Yeah,
0: well, especially when uh, you know a lot of these institutions. I mean, even after the stay-at-home orders are lifted, are they're going to have to have some sort of online presence more so than they ever did? Because you know that that's how you're going to be getting the bulk of the people to make their orders, even if you're doing curbside pickup very very few people use this thing called a telephone these days to actually talk on it <laughs> most smartphones are used to text and, and and surf the internet you know at this point like yeah it's it, it's something that stores are are very much aware of and hopefully a lot of comic shops are because if not then you know they are indeed the dinosaurs
2: I just think it's strange. I think I was reading some articles uh, in March when all this, like, shutdown talk was happening, and uh, I don't remember if it was if Chris pointed this out in her article or it was a different one, but they mm-hmm. basically said, uh, I don't know where the figure was from, so don't quote me for uh, truth here, but basically, like, the commerce industry is, like, a, as big as a billion dollars mm-hmm. yes. in terms of, I think, revenue, and I was like, that is a large number, but if you think, and I was breaking this down for Jim because we talk about it, uh, a little bit, comics and video games on our daily f- FaceTime check-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think of that number, I think it's very small, like two, I don't know, call it 150, 200,000 stores, plus all the employees, right? That's not a, that's a good amount for those amount of people, but you got to break it up with all the publishers, all the distributors, yeah. USPS, and whoever they ship through gets a little chink in the chain. Mm-hmm. Diamond and now Lunar and uh, whatever, Midtown's Armor now getting a little chink of... Uh, that three ninety nine per book or whatever it's going to be, and then you got to split it up with all the editors and artists and production guys and the, you know, the writers and everything. And it's like this really does seem like pennies. And I had, I had read before or heard it said before, like you don't get into comics for the for the profit. You do it for the love of the industry. And Jamal can speak more of this. He's he's the pro here. But you know, it doesn't sound like there's a lot to go around unless. You have been doing what Jamal's been doing, where you're taking control of your own destiny, selling your own product, and controlling the distribution, and you know the editing, and keeping all those other costs down low so that you can reap most of the profits. I mean, I'm watching Shark Tank uh, cooking dinner tonight, and they're talking about industries that aren't that big. You know, they get excited about a hundred million dollar industry, right. but that's for one company, not. Every company in the previews magazine, you know? Yeah. So, And we're talking about a billion dollars divided up in between all those different publishing companies. So uh, it's incredible.
3: Rent, No. Uh, so your number is accurate. I just looked it up in Publishers Weekly. 1.09 billion in 2018. Mm-hmm. But that includes the United States and Canada. Oh, wow. And, it's, and it is the book market in addition to the direct market. Oof.
2: Uh, Well, at least that's kind of an all encompassing number in such a way, but you know, you still that's even more pieces of the pie to chop up and distribute to everyone across two countries.
4: But but think about it this way also it's not just comics that are suffering in terms of print, all sales, print sales are down across the board. Yep. It's just that's just the way it is, unfortunately. And it's been that way for a very long time. Yeah. When I tell people sometimes, like, what the actual numbers of what gets published and sold—you know—the average novel only prints like a thousand copies. <laughs> Shit, that
2: is low. Seriously, I knew
4: that. seriously, that's it. You know, it's it's the the Harry Potters and the the big sellers that carry the entire you know entire publishing lines through, and it's the same thing with comics. Yeah, you know, most comics when you think about it most independent comics most independent companies kill to be able to sell 3000 copies sure but right now people just don't like to read or at least they don't they don't like to read on that level digital is starting to come up a little bit it's more popular in asia than it is here mm-hmm. but i have a feeling as things go forward it's going to be come more than norm i think a lot of it is going to have to do with the price point on technology as well as soon as that price point starts to come down even further than it already already is and the technology itself becomes much more user-friendly for the average person Mm -hmm. then you're going to start to see it uptick in digital
2: well, so what? What is not for user friendly about an iPad and Comixology app? I guess.
4: Well, I, I can tell you, just having to deal with the you know, the school, the whole school thing here is not every family has the ability to buy an iPad. Yep, it's well, too expensive. That
2: or an Android? There's cheaper Android tabs. Like there's yeah, cheaper but, alternatives, is my point. But, I guess. But the Android or your tablet,
4: smartphone. But like, like I've tried reading on my Kindle. It sucks.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that, because what I find is a lot of American comics, like we do them digitally, but they're not optimized for shittier screens.
5: Yes.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I know before, before I had my iPad, reading on the, on the Kindle Fire that I had, you know, and at, at the time, this was, you know, the, the top-of-the-line Kindle Fire, it was only okay. You know, I, I, could, I could read, but I always had to do the Zoom. Like, it's only a little bit smaller than an iPad, but I always had to do the zoom to actually, you know, read panel by panel. And I much prefer reading page by page when I can. And it changes the reading experience. To me, it actually makes it slower rather than faster. And
2: Yeah, panel by panel is slower, for sure. Yeah,
0: definitely. And it's also something that, you know, it takes a learning curve. Even though it is as simple as literally a double tap on comiXology, it takes the learning curve of knowing that's something you can do. As opposed to, you know, having to freaking zoom in, in every single page, which I'm sure plenty of people do, not realizing that there's a panel by panel view. It's just the way it rolls. The other thing I wanted to bring up is, like, you got companies like TKO, which which I find extra fascinating, like ones where they're they're releasing multiple formats at once: the tray paperback, the six the six issue box set, and the mm. digital all at the same time uh, to try and literally please everybody. Right and, and this seems at least closer to the quote unquote future to me. You know, if if you can if you can get it all out there at once, because like as somebody who regularly rates for the, waits for the trade, if I'm going to buy it in my hand, I freaking hate having to wait for that shit. But I understand why it happens because. You got to make your money off of your singles before you, before you go ahead and make your money off the trade. If you're making right. your money off the trade at the same time you're making it off the singles, at the same time you're making it off the digital, that's, that seems like it's, it's you know, going to work in the end to me, if that makes any sense.
4: But at the same time, not every company can afford to do what TKO is doing. Right. And that's just the truth. A company like Alterna or Action Lab, they're not going to be able to put out an entire an entire trade and single issues at the same time sure. and do digital because... It costs so much money.
5: Yeah. It
4: costs them money. It, uh, they're not getting the orders on single issues that they would on a potential trade. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not going to get... Those make up those sales digitally because digital, right now, for most companies is maybe 10% of their bottom line.
2: Yeah, I think the number I saw was like digital was $100 million. Mm -hmm. And, like, speaking as a digital only customer for almost 10 years now, I don't buy as much digital as I did floppies when I was ordering them, even though I was ordering from DCBS and Heroes Corner back in the day. But that was because of the steep discount. Since mm-hmm. there's no discount or even you know price there is price equity on digital for the re- retailers, not for me, right um, I wait a lot of times, and I will wait for something to go on a 99 cent sale or a 599 trade sale, like yeah. they have all the time. Mm-hmm. and I've bought more older issues of stuff than I have newer issues recently, just because of that. I feel like the 599 for a digital file is a much fairer price for something that's older than you know, paying full price for a trade. Now, I will pay full price for things I love. Birthright comes out every month. I love that book. I will pay full price. If I'm reading one of Jamal's books, I will pay the full price on those, except for Black. I forgot to buy the last two issues. I still have a lot of those. <laughs> Just fessing up here. Um, you know, but if there's an artist or somebody I really like or enjoy or you know, I'm friendly with, I will pay full price. But there's a, a lot of the mainstream stuff I'm waiting or I will read in some other format, or I'll you know hedge my bets and Comixology Unlimited has all of Ex Machina from uh, Brian Vaughn on, on there for mm-hmm. the five bucks a month. Yeah, right. So I'm waiting to get around to that, and I'm going to read that entire thing basically for free. Um, I don't know what cut of that those creators get, but um, you know it's I think the price parity
4: it's very very small.
2: <laughs> right. The the price parity feels yeah more there than you do because. You know, if I get a three ninety nine comic in floppies, okay, fine. You know, I got the paper, I can feel it, or everything. But and this is in the past now. Everything's a, a period piece now. But when you got that Tom King comic that was all letter boxes or no letter boxes, like what after he was going after KG Beast, this is the one I railed against. I want to say it was like forty seven or something, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Batman going after KG Beast after Nightwing got shot. Yeah, and it literally took you all of three minutes to read the damn thing because it was pure art <laughs> and I paid three ninety nine on Comixology for this stupid thing yeah. and it took me all of two minutes to read and I really felt ripped off after that and I was like, this is insane because I know that Tony Daniel, who is a good artist spent a lot of time doing those panels, but I didn't spend as much time re- looking at those panels as I would have if I was actually reading more text or story. I mean, I don't know what, you- what I wanted out of it, but I wanted to feel like I'd Spend my money wisely. Whereas at the end of that issue, it's not just that one. There have been other ones too, but that's the one I can point to, off the top of my head. But that you know, a three ninety nine book doesn't feel digitally as well worth your interest because you know you can buy a song you listen to thousands of times for one twenty nine or something like that. I don't
3: right. know. You also don't own the comics that you purchase on Comixology. You're only renting them. You only have them as long as the company exists. Mm -hmm. So, it's always going to be kind of an iffy proposition for people knowing that you're just renting the content. I mean, we haven't seen an apocalypse when it comes to music or books yet, but uh, games, definitely. It's like, oh, you're going to lose access to this thing you paid for 10 years ago, and that's already happened in the games industry.
2: Well, that's Nintendo for you. So far Xbox has been coming through with their back on certain things, but it's still there. You know, they didn't take away your uh, my Xbox 360 licenses for things that aren't backwards compatible. I just have to go buy an old Xbox 360 and hook it up to the internet to access it. So I guess there's some truth to that, but I forget I was reading um, there was a, a thing about Prime Video the other day in Amazon about people buying uh movies on Prime Video through the app or something like that and then they would disappear out of their collections because they were un- suddenly unavailable
5: mhm
3: i think like, that happened purchasing, with apple
2: not too. a rental or you know and i was like that's weird
4: yeah apple, yeah apple oh stores. yeah no they did apple did that with iTunes like just like a bunch of music that i had in my itunes library just disappeared one day yep and i could never recover it
0: i mean the same thing happens all the all the time with uh with video games uh that that you buy off of like you know psn or or steam or what have you a perfect example uh the the silent hill game that
2: uh that kojima was going to make E-T. E.T. E.T. E.T., yeah. Well, yeah.
3: oh, that was a preview to the Silent Hill yeah, B- game.
2: That's, that's not a real thing. I mean, that's that was a, a demo, a mod kind of thing. Like, oh, okay, fine. Better For better. the most part, games that have shut down on the networks on uh, Microsoft and stuff, you can still mm-hmm. purchase. Or not purchase. You may not be able to purchase them, but because you have purchased them, you can still play them. They're still sitting waiting for download somewhere on a server right. with the exception of P.T. Yeah. Right? Um, so that is the one bad exception to the rule. So yeah. Comixology, speaking on that, they, I've bought like... I'm, when Back in the day, I don't know, uh, nine years ago or something like that, Comixology was offering um, what they call digital omnibuses, right? Which are kind of what the omnibus market turned into. Like I have the digital omnibus for planetary. It doesn't exist on the store now. You can't go look it up. Mm-hmm. But I remember buying this for 25 bucks uh for all i don't know 24 issues or something like that and it was a steal i can still download that into my ipad and read it it still shows up as a purchase as still like that file still sitting on a server somewhere right
3: i uh, just want to note that i downloaded the dark horse app just to see if i can still download my issues of star wars legacy that i bought years and years ago
0: oh yeah does it work
3: and yeah yeah and i can still buy them with dark horse logo on them
0: oh, oh, okay <laughs> that's 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 good to know yeah they did say that that those were going to continue to be available uh
3: well they better i mean i paid 35 dollars for every single issue like when they were they were doing a clear out when disney took back the license
2: oh i remember that yeah it's the same thing i bought two invincible digital omnibuses which are no longer available available for purchase but they're still in my library so they're they're doing a good job of managing that. They haven't. I haven't gotten screwed on that yet. But well, and, and I do it, recognize the fact that if they go under or Amazon decides they're not worth any time, you know, they'll disappear. But my hope would be that some other—I don't know who the competing service would be at that point in time if anybody launches one. But you know, maybe at that point in time, everybody will have their own five ninety nine a month thing, like marvel or dc and i don't know somehow image and the indies get together and do one i have no idea
0: well so, since you literally just said the words competing services i think i think it would be, actually be a good time to bring up the competing services uh that have launched uh, distribution wise uh you know we did bring it up a little bit last episode uh, but it was very very fresh at that point um but now you know as further information has come out on you know midtown comics and dcbs's uh, respective services UCS and Lunar. Uh, I mean, obviously, asking this of uh, of Jamal. I mean, you know, you you brought up earlier that uh, you know monopolies aren't great uh, because you know obviously when you're the only person there, you get to set every single rule, um, right? And now now we're at an instance where you know there's two new distributors out there, plus there's the book market, uh, which is now changing significantly on on distribution and at times not just going to bookstores, uh, but how do how do you see you know UCS and Lunar basically changing the landscape?
4: Okay, so I am old enough to remember when you had to go to the shop twice a week to get books. Mm-hmm. You had to go to go to the shop on Tuesdays and on Fridays to get books. Then that this was back when Capital City and Diamond. And Heroes World and all these other distributors were all delivering books, so it, I don't didn't see it as a big deal then. It was only when you know the distributor were, wars all ended and they all decided, you know, Diamond decided they were going to ship books once a week. Mm-hmm. We got used to that idea. I think people will get used to the idea of having to go to the shops more than once a week again. As far as the monopoly aspect of Diamond, Diamond was never actually a monopoly, mm-hmm. which is which is you know when you think about it, they were specific to the direct market, but there were uh, there are other distributors who who handle graphic novels, right? So and handle graphic novels from Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. I think the the advantage that diamond had for comic book retailers was that they were able to get uh things at a premium through diamond that they would not have gotten from say ingram for example or mm-hmm. penguin yeah here's my, here's my thing the competition really is going to end up be, being between these three companies in a healthy market that would mean that whoever is able to give them the better discount is going to get that account mm-hmm. and i think and my i sincerely believe that this is going to be healthier for the industry as a whole because if you have more than one distributor who can get you product in a reasonable amount of time and you know DCBS has a reputation for you know, not denting up books, for example. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> getting people their stuff <laughs> in, a, in, in reasonably good shape. Right. <laughs> you know, they've
0: been doing that for a while now. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and then what? I think the thing that surprised me more than anything else, as all this information was coming down, is that these two companies, the You know, DCBS and Midtown were already the biggest accounts that Diamond had. Yeah, that that surprised me. I mean, I knew they were they were big. I didn't realize that they were basically half of Diamond's orders.
0: I knew I knew Midtown was that big. I had no idea DCBS was that
4: big. Yeah, no, DCBS is huge. Yeah,
5: I didn't
2: realize they were such a behemoth. Why aren't? Why isn't their website updated in the last fifteen years?
4: Because, because I guess if it works, right? Exactly right. You put your money where you need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put it to getting the product to the customers, you don't worry about the website, right? Why? Why you have we, we been using
0: the, the same the MetroCard the machines, the same the machines the here in New York the City since you know since 1996? It's because they they work good enough.
2: Exactly.
3: Well, that that's a governmental concern. Yeah, I know. I know.
2: Yeah, well, let me well, tell you. Good enough is always good enough for the government. That, that is <laughs> That's true. That's an A plus for the government. <laughs> Speak from experience so, here.
3: So, fun fact: uh, the company that makes Metro cards and also does Chicago's transit <laughs> cards uh, also makes nuclear weapons guiding systems.
5: Oh, <laughs> no no
0: don't tell me that oh, that's <laughs> and that and, and, and and every now and then the the guidance uh systems will say card read error
4: <laughs> please swipe card again
1: please swipe card again
4: please, please swipe at this turnstile <laughs>
3: yeah I, I think I discovered that because I actually went to their website. There was literally two boxes, one for transit cards and the other for military contractors. I was like, what? Hey, the,
2: the military contracts probably would fund the MetroCard development. Oh, definitely. Please. Just in terms of profit. <laughs> I don't know. I you, <laughs> <I do> DARPA. <laughs> so bef- before they – literally like two days before they announced these new distributors, I was listening to 11 O'Clock Comics talk to Christina from uh, DC- DCBS. Yeah. And she was talking about having to shut down for COVID and stuff. And then two days later, they announced the new thing. And I was like, wow, they, they probably shitting themselves a little bit going like, oh, man, I wish we knew or could have asked. I don't well, know. Here's, well, here's... But it was an interesting conversation to listen to. Yeah, uh, Listen to her talk about her relationship with the publishers and Diamond. and be, it, That's when I realized that they were such a big account because she was kind of spouting off some of her customer numbers and stuff. I was like, wow! I didn't realize they were so big. So yeah. it's something to good to go back and listen to if you can find it.
0: Well, they were. When you think about it, I mean, they're pretty much the only store that actually has an online infrastructure that works, other than if you want to say Midtown Comics, because I mean, right. you know, Mid, I mean Midtown does does online numbers, sure, but like they get most of their money off of tourists from you know from from that that go to Times Square. Like that's you know, let's be real about it. Um, yeah, their their online their their website's gotten better over the years, but they're nowhere near as consistent order wise as as say DCBS. Uh, you know, Mile High Comics does back or you know back issues pretty damn good, but talk about a website that looks like it hasn't been updated in in you know fifteen years. Theirs sure. looks like it hasn't been updated since GeoCities.
4: Like, <laughs> you well, know, the only company that I can think of that probably and they're not anywhere near the size. Midtown is probably things from another world. Mm. I think they're probably, probably the, as far as like the comic book industry, right? You know, I think they're probably like number three, maybe in terms of like mail order and online sales.
0: Okay, But, but let's, let's, let's just think about this for a minute. Now for years, comic book retailers have been, Pissing and moaning and bitching about, you know, I mean, as, as you said, Jamal, it's not really a monopoly, but it's a, monop- but it's a, monop- but it's a monopoly. You know, they're the largest one out there uh, when it comes to the direct market. And right. they're saying, like, you know, we need change. Change has to happen. Change is going to come. We're going to be so happy when change shows up. Now here's Change. And the first, yeah, and they're pledging their
4: loyalty to Diamond. It's astonishing. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. The first words out of their mouths were, well, we want to change, but not this change. Because
4: (laughs) (laughs) that was the funniest part to me. Yeah. Especially somebody like Brian Hibbs, who does nothing but bitch and moan about everything, was suddenly like, we can't abandon Diamond. (laughs) Diamond's been good to us. I'm like, what the fuck?
2: Did did anybody read the uh I don't know if it was like it was basically like a retailer list of demands from Brian Hibbs's organization some of that yes. stuff was just yes. out of control yeah. I was like what it was really a lot bad. of it
4: was uh, completely unrealistic like there's oh, just for sure. no way for Anybody smaller than say, boom studios to even pull off half the stuff that he was talking about having the industry doing is yep. it's just ridiculous you know it, it, you have you have to operate within the parameters that you have the industry just isn't big enough right now where you can expect a small independent publisher who's basically you know a couple of guys in their living room trying to put put books together yeah. to you know to do returnable comics it's just you know marvel could do it dc can do, dc can do it but there aren't that many companies that can do it
0: yeah, definitely yeah and and I mean, I get why comic shops would be a little bit annoyed that other comic shops have now become their distributors. Like, I understand that. Um, But it also still screams of sour grapes to a point. That that these two, you know, mega powers have somehow managed to be mega powers, and Mm. they're not. And it feels like they're you know, giving further money to these mega powers in the industry.
4: Well, that was, a, that was a lot of the, the complaining that I had seen initially were the, the accusations that uh, Midtown and DCBS were somehow going to uh, corner the market on all the premiums and, you know, cut smaller retailers out. Mm -hmm. We don't have any, they had to create new distribution companies so that there wouldn't be that, you know, idea of impropriety. Right. You know, there's just no way that they're good. They'd be able to get away with that. That's, you know, you're bringing the FTC right down on top of your head. Sure.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, they're still relatively small. <laughs> right.
4: <I> was- <laughs> it's like,
0: why would you play with fire like that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think DCBS, Christina said they have, I don't know, the order of magnitude of like under 60, 100 to 60, 60 to 100 employees or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's not a huge company by by any size of the means. I mean, small businesses, the federal government considers you a small business if you're under 500. Right. right. So um, and we all realize what a crock of shit that can sometimes be with these Ruth <laughs> Chris steakhouses, oh yeah, and stuff, yeah. But I, I thought it was uh, funny that yeah, the dist- comic stores are complaining that they're comic stores becoming distributors. But another podcast plug: I was listening to Fatman on Batman. They had Steve Jeppy, Geppy, the guy who uh, heads Diamond. Yeah, they me. had yeah. jeppy They had him on uh, two weeks ago, and he literally told the story how he was. A comic shop owner that you know had an account with a bunch of these distributors mm-hmm. and then there were other stores who couldn't get their numbers up or yep. whatever mm-hmm. and asked him to order for them. So he did and then that's how he got started distributing comics to other stores and then it just became bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's literally how Diamond started is doing that exact same thing that Midtown and DCBS are now stepping in to do. <laughs> to try and fill a gap that this pandemic has caused.
5: yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's but,
2: incredibly ironic that they're complaining about the same, they're literally getting started the same way that, um, diamond did except for the circumstance.
0: Yeah. Can I, can I also bring up that Chris and I have been to the Jeppy museum in Baltimore and that museum is literally just Steve Jeppe's comic collection.
3: Like, right. <laughs> look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? <laughs> what not you say our collection's complete
2: <laughs> He doesn't need to buy that uh complete run of DC, he's already got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like there's one there's one display like that's that's literally like a comic book from every single year. Uh like all like all the way from one end of the hallway to another, and you're looking at that like, yeah, yeah, I think this guy's good. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this guy's good but the company is not, exactly. apparently. And, exactly. and that's what was astonishing to me. Talk going back to cash flow we we're talking about it a couple minutes ago. Like yeah. I mean I understood that the stores didn't pay diamond until a certain time and you know, yada 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 and they don't have income, so therefore how can they be expected to pay diamond for their orders? That all makes sense to me. But the fact that diamond shut down because they said basically, you know, maybe Bal- Maryland or Baltimore County, wherever they're at, said you can't run plus you know, in addition to them being, you know, not cash flow positive or whatever, not having reserves to operate during this time well, it was kind of like, wow, I didn't realize, I knew the margins were small, but I didn't realize that the monopoly distributor for the direct market didn't, you know, operated so close to
4: the railing. Well, a lot of that has to do with a lot of retailers running on credit i oh, mean that's yeah. what oh, yeah. sinks a lot of shops more than anything else is that they overload themselves with stock and then they can't move it yep so they're they're sitting i mean there are literally comic shops that have, that have closed with like two like i there was like one shop that closed with like a million and a half dollars and unsold stock oh my god
1: like no. speaking speaking from experience like i I worked for years for. A monopoly for a toy uh, for a toy sales company. Yeah, Toys R Us was the biggest company out there, and that's what happened to them. They literally went bankrupt because they were buying stuff on like credit and they couldn't move their merchandise because sh- the shopping public had shrunk so much. Yeah, and they were the- also
3: burdened with KB's debt as well, weren't they?
1: Yes, they were. So what happened was they when they they were a restructuring from. Vulture Capitalists who bought at the company and sold them, sold them at a loss. And they left them with, God, almost hundreds of millions of dollars in debt mm-hmm. for the company. Yep. And so they were, they were operating in the red every year. Uh, and they were still buying a shit ton of product to hopefully, quote-unquote, sell. Because they were getting it at such a good deal from those manufacturers. And when they closed, we literally... We're emptying our warehouses every day. Yep. Three trucks a day, mm-hmm. full trucks, mind you, of just random shit from ten to fifteen years ago. Yeah.
0: I, I remember that the that there were some uh pictures on Instagram from Toys R Us employees that were finding like turtles toys from ninety-eight. Yeah, just just sitting in, you know, just sitting in the warehouse.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make some collector very happy on eBay right now. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah.
3: Seriously, they could have gone in the as an eBay type uh, collectors adult nerds business. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I and don't they, know look- they
1: they tried that also. They tried that um, the year they went, they declared bankruptcy. They opened up several pop up stores throughout different markets yep. that were uh, collector based. They were called Jeffrey's uh, Toy Box. I think they were called. Yeah. And they had. Talking like figure arts, I'm talking like niche collector stuff mm-hmm. and like massive discounts, things that were marked down to like that were originally $25, $30 marked down to $19.99, $10. And they were just packing the shelves out there and none of, none of them still move.
0: I, I, I by the way I bring it back slightly to uh to DCBS's uh, lunar I did find the Newsorama article that uh that actually has an interview with Christina um and
2: Yeah that's an email interview it reads like an email interview I'm disappointed with that one
0: It does but but it does give you some information at least uh which uh the fact that they're working at they, they Christina says That Lunar is currently operating in an unused and separate warehouse space from DCBS that is owned by DCBS Holdings, LLC. And someone who knows about the history of DCBS knows that they moved warehouses about a year and a half ago uh, to expand –
2: two different cities they operate out of between them and in stock trades.
0: Yes. Uh, they then wound up moving back if I remember correctly, because frankly, that warehouse was just not working out for them in that aspect, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is indeed that former warehouse, uh, if they still, you know, had the lease on it or what have you, that would, that would make perfect sense for their, you know, their distribution angle. Um, they also say that once diamond is up and running and fully back to business, uh, they'll evaluate everything on the lunar side of things and focus on going forward as to whether or not you know there's still a need for them after the fact. But I, I personally believe that if enough companies go to them, there is going to be a need because again, people are not happy with what Diamond has been doing industry-wise, and there has to be competition of a, some sort right. in, in order to keep this 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 entire hobby of ours that we love going.
4: It's all still very early. I mean, you know, we we don't know how this is going to shake out. We, you know, we're I mean, people were I mean, as it is in terms of uh, the medical side of everything that's going on with the pandemic. Yeah. Like countries that thought that they were going to be able to open up again are now seeing spikes. Yep. You know, we, you know, we're looking at, at, you know, a year and a half before there's a vaccine. Yep. You know, I mean, this is, this is going to be the new paradigm that we're going to have to deal with. We're, we're going to have to figure out how to, to live Mm -hmm. is, you know, and it's not even a matter of going back to normal because it's normal is out the Goddamn window! Oh sure. We're we're just all trying to figure out how to exist in some semblance of whatever this reality is. Goddamn hadron collider. You had, <laughs> had to turn the goddamn thing on, didn't they? Uh,
0: I, I mean, I, I think I, we, I, think I, we I would- hate
4: this timeline. <laughs>
0: I think we would have been much better off had they just opened up a portal to another universe and uh you know, just started sliders. I think that things would work out <laughs> much better than the bullshit that we that we wound up in. Somewhere out there the Berenstein universe is doing just fine, but we're stuck in a fucking Berenstain.
1: So are we on counter Earth or are we on Earth too? I can't tell anymore.
4: Uh, uh we're we are definitely on Earth Omega. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, well. <laughs>
0: Oh man! But, but since since you since you mentioned you know new paradigms and what have you, I can I can easily wind up bringing this up now. Uh, there is a new paradigm out of Marvel Comics because while DC has taken the approach of you know turning to new distributions, Marvel uh, they didn't do that route. Uh, you know they're they're saying they're that they're you know they're going to distribute stuff you know through Diamond like they've been doing for now at least until they until something else winds up coming out. However. They did make a bunch of titles digital only that were not mm-hmm. originally digital only, um, which I'm sure comic shops yet again absolutely loved because they get angry over everything. But if this is at least a sign to me that Marvel is willing to try other options, you know, to, to... I
2: don't know if it's try other options as much as like they were going to eat not take a bath per se, but maybe operate at a loss on those titles. Yeah. And therefore, since they'd already paid the creators their fees or the work was already completed, mm-hmm. digital became like a dumping ground for these things the way that some indie movies are now Point. on VOD or whatever It because the traditional distribution system wouldn't work for those titles, especially at this time. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're going to go back and you're going to go want the newest issue of Batman 92 – whenever that punchline character debuts, which is not going to be as big a deal now. I don't know. Yeah. But that was like the hottest upcoming issue, right? So you're going to focus on getting that in your new X-Men because Hickman's gone crazy during the quarantine. And he's got some crazy ideas. And meanwhile, White Number 1 put on there, and you want that book as well. Plug, plug. You're not going to focus <laughs> on Hawkeye issue 4 of 6, right? You're, yeah. you're, uh, uh, it's going to flip your mind because all the hot new books are out.
4: Right. But at the same time, I think that this is good. This makes good business sense. If you have titles that you that the actuaries have looked at and said, "We're only going to sell so many units," mm-hmm. we might as well go digital first with this, and then have everything and put out the trade at a later date. I think that makes sense. I mean, I enjoyed the new Hawkeye series. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really, thought it was really good, but I can understand why they're going this route. Oh, sure.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, if if they weren't. You know, if, if the numbers weren't there to sustain them waiting for, you know, a, a, a print release, then yeah. And, and for that matter, you know, maybe there are going to be some people because, I mean, it's, it's completely speculative whether or not this does actually happen, that maybe there are going to be Hawkeye fans that go back and now read the first three, knowing that this is a comic that they can read online first. And they'll go ahead and, you know, catch themselves up on that a little bit. Right. You know, it, it, it's it's completely speculative because we're, it, it's it's so impossible to even see what the numbers are for digital. You know, because they never release those numbers, so we have no idea how many people are actually reading, you know, Marvel comics digitally or not, and how I don't many even people. Think are. There's
2: a top ten on the Comicsology site. I don't think there is ever. There's a trending or popular. Yeah, I, I, but it's not a top ten.
0: I'm on the site right now. There's top rated, top selling. So let me let me see if I click on top selling. Uh, right now, under top selling, uh, Batman: The Adventures Continue is on there. A ninety-nine cent DC comic, by the way. I want to point that out. And mm-hmm. and a awesome idea for a DC comic. The fact that we go back to the Batman animated universe like this is pretty badass. But almost everything in top selling right now is a DC comic. I'm I'm not seeing anything until for some reason Bloodborne, out of titan comics so i don't know if this is a real list
3: <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a star wars comic on there at least i'm looking to now
0: yeah yeah it's but it's it's few and far between we got let's see revenge revenge of the cosmic ghost rider number 4 of 5 is on mm-hmm. this you know best selling list as well are
2: those single issues or trades on the dc ones cuz DC just ended a massive trade sale for, like, the last three weeks. These are single issues. Okay. Yeah, these are single issues.
0: Uh, like, Swamp Thing is on there. Uh, some other, like, old issues that got released are definitely on here because they're 99 cents a piece. Like, Flash Fastest Man Alive by Gail Simone, uh, which I think was part of the uh, the 100-page uh, Walmart things. Um, is, All
2: those digital firsts that they're releasing now are actually stories from those Walmart books. That's what I figured. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And those are going for 99 cents a pop and they're selling really well, which which also goes me back goes back to price point because I mean Brent brought it up before and I mean I'm I'm in the same boat where I wait for sales. You know, <laughs> there's there's no way I'm going to pay $4 for a single issue of a comic book digitally when I know I can wait 6 months and buy it for 99 cents. You know, it's just, it's just not something that that's in my budget and I'm so far behind in my reading that i i can certainly wait the extra amount of time uh marvel's also put out a bunch of digital only trades uh over the past couple of months with some of their you know harder to find uh you know back back issues uh including an entire run of uh x-men from like the the like mid-2000s with uh, with freaking joseph in it uh X Men betrayals they're releasing for I think six bucks on uh on on Comixology and Amazon right now. It's just digital price points have to be at a point where they make sense. Charging as much as as you do in a shop for something digitally, not many people are gonna go ahead and say, Oh well I need this day of and I'm gonna pay the four dollars for a single issue. It just it, it, right. it it's not a price point that just makes makes that sort of sense.
3: Yeah, I mean, Ian, oh, sorry, was Jamal going to say something? I heard a large breath there. <laughs>
4: no, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Uh,
3: well, it's just that, <laughs> so yeah, like you're right that you don't want to pay $4, maybe sometimes even $5 for a digital-only product when it's the same price for the physical because you know that you get the physical, you own it, you have it, you right. can give it away to your friends yep. or your kids when you're done with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I found it very insulting over the years when people are like, but you know, one, we have to keep the comic shops alive. Going back to my earlier point about you know that loyalty to the comic shop that I find frankly damaging. At this I point.
2: got over that bullshit years ago. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, and just the fact that people have said, "Oh, but you think you think that printing the comic costs so much money?" And I'm like, uh, yes," because I know that the retailers are not paying four dollars for that book. Yeah. They're paying you know three dollars, two dollars. I mean, you look at DCBS, and that gives you kind of an idea of what the comic shops that are paying for it, even if you don't work in the comics industry. Right. Like, you know, it's not $4. Like they have to split the cost between the comic shop, between the, the guys who drive the trucks and, you know, like, you know, all the people putting stuff in boxes at diamond, you know, the printers getting the stuff to diamond and the printers themselves, like going all the way back. There's a lot of steps in there that all have to take their little cut. Otherwise this isn't a pro this isn't profitable for anyone.
5: It's, it's pretty
2: astonishing that you think about it that, DCBS can offer a 40% discount on a brand new book. I'm like, that's probably most of what comic shops make, is that for a little bit more than 40%? I would All guess.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and and it's what uh, how much is shipping on DCBS these days? I I mean again I haven't done it in a while, so it's hard for me to remember. It was, it's usually it's like,
2: like a, seven bucks or yeah, something for a month. Yeah, fifteen for biweekly. So so I mean
0: Yeah. So like in the end, like you're still getting savings even with even with the shipping, you know, tacked onto it. It's not like you're averaging out in the end. Like you're still going to wind up saving like at least like you know twenty thirty bucks if you're making a big order.
2: The funny thing too with DCBS, like I could see how they have grown to be one of the largest accounts Diamond has because. Mm-hmm they have been i mean i don't listen to every comics podcast but for the last 15 years they've been advertising on a, you know a vast majority of comics podcasts right. you know so that that whatever that listening base is whatever what, if it's the same size i think it's probably smaller than the total reading group but even still it's still a significant amount that have gone you know i've heard about this long enough i'm going to take the plunge or try it out or whatever yeah
0: sure yeah
2: Absolutely. Whereas your local store, you know, isn't doing that, maybe can't do that. But that's not to say, like, you know, a local store couldn't come to the local, their local comic guys or whatever and podcast and be like, hey, you got 500 listeners? Are they local? Put us on there. You know, I don't know. <laughs> We'll give you ten percent off because that's all we ever got.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, you're right that DCBS has gotten tons of exposure from podcasts over the years, and and it certainly you know helped get their name across there, uh, in one way or another. Plus, with you know just for you know advertising on websites also does that, where you know that just a little banner that's rotating can be enough to be like oh that's going to get you to click on it i mean you know obviously people have ad block these days and you know wind up using that on half the sites but still it it at least gets the point across a little bit um plus the other thing that i want to bring up is uh you know going back to marvel for a minute that marvel they haven't been sitting on their on their laurels with this stuff even with you know not having distribution points to that and i'll bring up dc as well uh in this point with with Marvel Unlimited and with Comixology, because they, they did it across both boards, which I was very appreciative of, because at least with at least with Comixology, you know, even though you don't quote unquote own the issues, if you purchase the issues, even if they're free, they're always in your account after that. Which which I appreciate with Comixology. You know, until the day that Comixology dies, until the day that Amazon is like, We don't need you anymore, we cast you to the winds. Be gone with you, be gone. Uh, you know, there's still going to be an option. Um and all of these free issues that all these free trades that Marvel has been putting on their um unlimited app have also been available on Comixology. So full trades, like trades that would normally run like eighteen to twenty bucks a pop, you've been able to get for free in the app. So like over the past couple of weeks I've gotten, you know, like Civil War for free, uh Secret Wars. Tanahisi Coates's volume 1 and 2 of, of Black Panther, uh, his his Captain America run uh, and a, a volume of uh, Ms. Marvel, like the list goes on and on and this is all to try to get people stuff to read and to keep them interested in in the in the in the industry. And I mean, hell, if you get some kids involved in the process, you know, be my guest, but I mean, I doubt that's really going to be happening here with this particular instance, but still it's a it's a step in the right direction and it's a it's a positive you know it's a, it's a nice like we know you're stuck inside here have some stuff to read
4: right but you know like chris was saying the you know lowering the price point right now with the numbers just doesn't make any sense
1: yeah
4: you know it, it's a volume business and even back in the day one of the, you know one of my hobbies and I and I keep telling people this is i read up about the history of the industry and i read up about the history of sales in the industry Mm -hmm. and it's fascinating we had about the same numbers of readers now that we had back before the speculation boom
2: wow what would you say that number is because in my estimation if you look at the top selling book you know, it's anywhere between one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand, depending if there's an event going on, right? Okay. So if, if you say I, right, but if you spread that out, that's not that may that's two hundred thousand individual readers on the best selling book. Right. So you spread it out and inflate it a little bit more, so maybe like two fifty.
4: Well, I can just tell, in the direct market. I can tell you. Hold on, let me let me uh, let's see.
2: Because out of three hundred million people in the U.S., that's a low number.
4: Well, it's always been a low number. That's that's kind of the, the secret of the whole thing. <laughs> but uh, well,
2: that's why guess, they're four ninety nine now.
4: Okay, so I, I here. Let's see. So all right. So for example, uh, crisis uh, crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a difference between the draw and the sale. So back when when comics were returnable, you had the draw and the sale. The draw were the books that were uh, were sent to newsstands and to bookstores and the like. The, and of course, the sale is the sale of what was actually sold versus returnable. So the draw on Crisis on Infinite Earths, what issue was this? It doesn't say what issue it was. This is just monthly. But the draw was two hundred fifty six thousand copies. Mm-hmm. They only sold. They only sold seventy nine
0: thousand. Whoa! It was returned. Shit! Damn! You're
4: kidding! I'm serious.
0: uh, You
2: just blew my mind, sir. (laughs) That boom was really a boom. Then, if it went from,
4: it was a huge boom because seven.
2: What was X Men number one? Like six million copies or something.
4: Ultimately, after all the covers and everything else, yeah, yeah, yeah. some, somewhere. But um, this is one of my favorites, and I, I actually stole this from Jim Shooter. Um, he had it on his blog years ago, and I always held on to this. So there was a list of of uh, distributors. So there were, like, at one point around 19 – this is 1982, 1981, 1982. There were – 15, Fifteen distributors distributing comics. The largest distributor was Capital City. Mm-hmm. And their revenue between – there was a gain in revenue between 1982 and 1983. They had actually increased by about $60 million in sales – over, over a year period, from 1981 to 1982. But they were still only selling about $206 million.
2: Whew. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
0: Uh, That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, how, how How is the industry still running? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Through sheer oh, force of will.
2: And <laughs> that, that was when comics were like, what, still... 35 cents or something <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> crisis on 80, infinite earths was maybe a dollar
4: i don't know 82 i want to say they were in like the 50 75 cent range oh,
2: yeah
0: thereabouts because i mean i remember when i was when i first started reading in 93 it was maybe a buck 25
1: like a buck 50 at most yeah i think it was a buck i think it was a, yeah i think it was a dollar 25 Yeah, when i first started reading yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Ni- Nineteen ninety three. Most comics were buck twenty five. I remember this because I was twelve and could not afford the extra twenty five cents when it went <laughs> up to a dollar <laughs> Oh
0: man, I I am I am a little bit speechless at the, at the moment, but I'm but I'm extra glad that we have you on this episode now, Jamal, to to <laughs> to, to put us in our place in the in the world of uh, of, of comics uh, history and what have you. So that's that's something, man.
2: Uh, so we were, we were talking about dual days of comic releases, right? Tuesdays yeah. and Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can think of how that could be a pain for a shop owner because now you have to do pull lists and boxes and stuff twice a week or whatever the deal is. Yeah. Or remember, some books go on this day and some don't. But I would think that that might be advantageous to your person that's going to come in Tuesday and Wednesday, two days in a row, to get that fix because – you might come in on Tuesday and put that DC book down and go, "Hey, you know what? I don't need Green Arrow this month, or this doesn't look that good, or right. last month was so-so." And then you go on; he goes the next day on Wednesday, and this Marvel list is a little short than what he usually spends because maybe you know the Steve McNiven book is later, whoever the hot artist is, I don't know. Um, and they go, "You know what? I'm gonna get that Green Arrow issue that I put down yesterday and, and go back and pick that up." I would think that that. There's more opportunities for a sale there because they're in the shop, you know, ideally two times a week versus just one.
4: But, you know, from a retailer standpoint, retailers are receiving product all the time, not just comics. Like oh, yeah. the, the shops that sell toys and games and what have you, mm-hmm. they're getting deliveries all the time. I don't right. see why it would be that much of an extra step for them to receive product. On more than one received actual comics on more than one day. If you know that this is going to be this week's books, oh, you've yeah. already got the got it organized. You know you're getting these books from Diamond and you're getting these books. If you're on who's handling the East Coast? Lunar's handling the East Coast. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, but you know, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's not that much of an extra step. We'll see how it works out down the road. But for now, I don't see it as being a huge detriment.
0: Yeah, actually, wait. UCS is Midtown, so maybe, maybe, maybe UCS is the one that's doing the East Coast. Okay. It's really hard to keep these track at, the, at at this point as to what's doing what. Yeah, because uh,
2: they didn't call it Midtown Distributors or anything. No, no, yeah. no. It's early and days. UCS yeah. sounds like DCBS, <laughs> but company is called fucking Lunar.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but then again, I, I've been making fun of Midtown Comics name for for years now. Ever since they opened one in downtown, so it's you know Midtown Downtown has always been my favorite.
2: <laughs> Town Comics.
0: <laughs> oh man! So like, w- w- where where we are now? Like, even outside of like the normal distribution uh, realms, and I'm gonna have to have Comfort and Adam come on at some point so we could talk about more like a like the web comic end of things as well. Because like you got you got things like Webtoon out there, which are you know booming numbers. Uh, when when it comes to like the youths, if you want to call them like you know the the, the, youths? the, the youths the youngins the the, the 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 people who i want to get off of my lawn uh,
5: <laughs>
0: you know they're they're mainly you know going to sites like this to get their you know one and done reads for the day and then move forward and they have you know favorite creators that they that they follow the comic of and a lot of this is very manga inspired or you know anime inspired and webtoons to me is a whole genre of comics that I know very little about, even though I know that it's it's where a lot of people go to read their stuff these days. Um, and it makes me feel fucking old.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think there is a large portion of an audience that maybe is not captured in the direct market. I mean, isn't Ghost Spider one, of, which is a terrible name for that book, but Spider-Gwen... Isn't that one of the titles that went digital only now from Marvel?
0: I, Am I wrong? I believe you're right, actually. I'll, I'll double check that. But yeah, that's. Okay,
2: so here you have a hot new character, air quotes, obviously, that's not selling very well, that is going digital only for that reason, but yet you walk into a con and there's the cosplay scene or whatever loves this character. So obviously, like, it just goes to show that, like, you know, cosplayers are. Aren't buying comics necessarily? Yeah, the numbers that you see those characters, or maybe vice versa.
4: I do have to correct you because it may not be selling in terms of single issues, but the trades move. That's true. But the book market, yeah, right, yeah, that's
0: that's very true. It's Ghost Ghost Spider number nine was the one that was that was on shelves or quote unquote on shelves on digital shelves uh, this this week. Uh, so, so that that one is is the first digital only issue of that series. So the first eight were were in comic shops.
2: Is that the first time they called her Ghost Spider? Like, is that Ghost Spider Volume One? Ghost they, or is that Volume they, Two? I think
0: this might be Volume Two. Uh, it's very hard to keep track, and I also hate the name Ghost Spider. So you're not the only one.
4: <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, there's a whole, there's a whole thing with that. Yeah, honestly. Uh, There's well, it's, it's not just it's not just Spider-Gwen. Um I don't know if you've ever noticed this but prior to into the Spider-Verse, um Miles Morales was never referred to as Spider-Man on any of the merchandise.
0: Yes, I I did notice that. What was he
4: called? Kid Arachnid. Oh my god. <sighs> really? <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Uh yeah, uh, I used to work for Hasbro.
4: Yeah, and true. if you look at any of the merchandise now, he's not even Kid and he's just Miles Morales.
1: Interesting,
0: because because they have they have to they have to separate the brands. Yes.
4: Yeah, I I, I had a feeling. <laughs> spider the Spider Man the spider the Spider Man trademark is very very specific. Yeah, mm. yeah, and the same the same thing with Spider Gwen. You can't call her Spider Woman because technically she is Spider Woman, but you know. Also, I'm sorry. Okay,
2: so (laughs) Spider Gwen Ghost Spider number one launched in October 2018. Okay, and it ran for looks like 12 issues. Yeah, that's about right. And then they launched this newest one in 2019, which is just Ghost Spider (laughs) in August 21st, 2019, and it's now on its whatever ninth issue.
0: I have to make this joke just because God, I'm, I hate I'm, I'm legally required to. Because it's my favorite. It's my favorite, uh, you know. Commercial. Look, look with your Spider Gwen. My brand.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so dumb. They relaunch the series every fucking year. Yeah. Because number one sell. So. I know. I know. <laughs> and but not number twos. Not number twos.
4: Nope. <laughs> or number nine
3: this is why i ran away from a lot of superhero comics a few years back because yeah. i just can't keep up i'm a grown up with not enough time to keep up with every reboot and event and i know that's a whole other podcast you know topic oh but
0: but it's but it's yeah. it's related chris trust me because it's the same thing with me like i i'm you know i'm glad that that hickman at least gave me a a, a a foot in the door for x-men to just start there because frankly what's happened over the last five years like i'm sure some of it was good over at x-land but hey i got a fresh start and i don't care because this is where well, i am
3: <laughs> well it's funny that you said five years because i was like when did i stop reading marvel like around secret wars and then i checked that was 2015 so
0: and that was hickman too so go figure
3: I never Mm-mm. finished it. I never finished it. You never I stopped finished around, like, Issue four or five.
2: Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, pick it up for free on digital. Exactly. Yeah. You can pick It'll it up for free on anything. digital,
0: or you can just read it on unlimited. You got so many options. And by the way, readership on DC Universe. Speaking of of apps that are that are available, mm. uh, there was an article that came out uh, today actually that says that readership is up thirty five percent in in the DC Universe app. Uh, I don't know if that means that they now are up from zero to thirty five percent, but but that does mean at least people are reading. So that's that's so, something.
2: I, I recently another DC Universe tidbit. I recently discovered. Well, I was subscribing for like a year, because yeah. I was gonna watch those shows and I never did anything past Titan season one. So then when the pandemic came, I was like, all right, we're cutting some expenses. Uh, this can definitely go. So I cut it in March, and then I went back this month, and I was like, huh, I wonder if they... Because they were talking about the rewards thing, so I went to check it out. Lo and behold, I still have access to DC Universe. What? Everything. I have not paid in two months. Oh, no. Because <laughs> it was managed through the Apple subscription. Oh,
4: shit. I, I, I have a feeling that at a certain point, DC Universe will be going the way of the Dodo.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I think mm-hmm. as, as it is today, it will. I think that DC Universe as a reading app may may still exist, but right. maybe, but any video is going to get absorbed into HBO Max Like before this year is over, I almost
5: guarantee Well,
2: they they announced today that Season 2 of Doom Patrol was launching day and date on DC Universe and HBO Max in June.
5: Yeah.
4: And and so like, it'll Swamp be a
2: dual-platform show. Yep.
4: Swamp Thing's going to be on the CW, and so is Stargirl.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's it's not it's
0: not it's not looking good. And I, I still say and I think I think I might have even brought it up last episode, like the stupidest thing about the DC Universe app is that it'll give me reading suggestions when I'm browsing it on my Roku, who the hell is going to want to read comics on their TV? Like, why are you t- why are you giving me reading recommendations when I'm looking for stuff to watch?
2: Because there's not a lot on that app. I tried the reading stuff, yeah, on my Xbox app just for shits and giggles while I was dreading pressing play on the next episode of Swamp Thing, <laughs> and because um, it's not that good. Uh, review on YouTube later. And uh I, you know I, it's I, not I'm, that bad it's just yeah. you know it's all high res art so it doesn't look that terrible but it's the same thing you're complaining about the panel by panel on comicsology it yeah. works the same way Yeah it's just not you, why would you want to do that when there you could play a video game watch a movie or watch the TV show Right But their their selection of TV shows is like the best thing they have going for them, mm-hmm. but their movie selection's rotating, and that's terrible. Yeah, the movie selection's the fact, really bad. <laughs> the fact that they don't have every Batman movie, period, is terrible. Yeah. The fact that they don't have every Superman movie, terrible. Any. They don't have any Superman movies now. What's even more astonishing is that these direct-to-video, these Warner Premiere DCAU movies, mm-hmm. going back all the way to 2005, I think they don't have all these either. With uh, Doom, Superman Doomsday up to Apocalypse War, which just came out. Yep. The fact that they don't have every single one of those on that service in the you know maybe you exclude the newest ones from like a year ago, but they only have like six of them
0: but it's also it's, like, a, it's a sign to me that when the when the app first launched they were getting those new ones day and date like they were getting you know the new the new dc animated movies like almost immediately and they have not yeah. kept that up and and that that is not a good sign for the service but even pretty much everything Warner brothers I'm worrying about This new HBO Max service is going to have Crunchyroll content, VRV uh, VRV content, DC Universe content, and HBO content, and a bunch of other stuff thrown in there. But weirdly, not Cinemax. When you're called HBO Max, it's the weirdest thing, but whatever. So part of me is like, so does that mean they're going to merge Crunchyroll in eventually? Uh, Does that mean they're going to merge VRV in? Like... You know, what what the hell's happening in that in that echo space? And I think definitely the first thing to go is going to be DC Universe's video content. I certainly hope, Jamal, because frankly, I would still pay the same damn price every month for the for the reading experience, because they have everything up until a year ago. And they're constantly adding more stuff that are holes in their in their catalog. Uh, from from before that, well, not
4: everything.
2: He, They're missing ten issues of Azrael. I check. Excuse, excuse me, Mister
0: Azrael Perfectionist. You know. What but I'm having at.
4: having having the 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 television content up there was the selling point for casual people. Exactly. You know, people who are who are fans yeah. of like the CW superhero shows or the right. movies. Those
2: CW like, shows aren't even on there though. Like Smallville, all that stuff has got deals with netflix or other streaming services i don't know if they're going to be on hbo max right i i want to say like batwoman is since the is the newest show so i don't think it has a netflix deal and it may i don't know if it's going to dc universe when it ends this season or if it's going to hbo max but i I think that was the most recent one that is not going six days later to netflix
4: right yeah, I, I would know. assume that it. I, I would assume that it's probably going to go to HBO Max, once it starts once it's up and running. More than likely,
0: yeah. That that seems to make the most sense. Ugh, God, the, the, streaming services are so complicated, and they cost. If you want to do everything that you want to watch at this point, congratulations, you got you got cable again. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> well, I, I finally pulled the trigger on the WWE Network. Like I just, I I canceled my subscription and. Took it off my Roku. Yeah. It was just, yeah.
0: It's... It, it, I understand, man. It's, it's uh... It's, it's... You can only go... You can only watch so many things in this world, and if you don't have time for it, then why are you paying for it?
4: Exactly. Especially if you're not enjoying
0: it. Yes. Know? Yes. Because a lot of the WWE is trash. Anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't say.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get my WWE enjoyment from watching old wrestling bios on YouTube. <laughs> but... Bringing it back, I mean, you know, I mean, Jamal. Like lately, you, I mean, over the last couple of years, you've mostly been making your money off of, you know, say, well, not making most of your money, but part of your money off of kickstarters and you know, crowdsource campaigns and what have you. Right. Uh, I mean, in this in this day and age, does it make more sense for an independent creator to just have a Patreon, have a Kickstarter campaign, have an Indiegogo, what have you, and just stick to that as their you know their main source of income if it's working for them
4: well if it's working for them i i mean we certainly know people who by hook or by crook have managed to turn themselves into millionaires yeah but i think that if it's working for you it really ultimately is just like before it really depends on what your ultimate goal is. Yeah. Not everybody's goal is to be their own creator. Some people just want to work on the characters that they grew up loving. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of extra hassle involved with doing creator own work. You know there's a, there's a lot of things that people just don't want to have to deal with and I can completely understand. It's hard. It's hard as hell. Yeah. So, I don't want to say to any creator who might be listening to the show that you shouldn't you should be doing x and shouldn't be doing y. Sure. I'm not that arrogant. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm I can't tell you what's right for your career.
0: No, be like other people on the internet. Tell us exactly what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> Damn every other idea like that. No, but
4: you but you understand what I'm saying. Oh yeah. No, what totally. I'm saying yeah. is that yeah. it, for some people it works to have a Patreon because Patreon seems to be for, from my observation it seems to be something that you have to be willing to update constantly. Oh yeah. And I know for myself like I'm usually so busy wor- with my head down working on stuff that you know I don't post. I mean, I've just started posting stuff recently. Like I had a I have an Instagram that I barely used for years and it's only been within like the last six months that I've really started posting on a on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I mean, that's just kind of, you know, it really depends on the person. Some people can make that work. If you can do a page, if you feel like doing a Patreon, I know that Adam Hughes and Alison Sohn started a Patreon recently where it's just basically you're looking at them and talking to them, you know, while they're working in their in their studio, you know, with other people they're posting preliminaries and they're posting pages that they're working on and whatever. If you've got a webcomic, if you're you know, if you're you know, want to do an indie if you want to do a Kickstarter campaign for a project, you know, I mean Lord knows you know, the opportunities are still out there. I mean, look at Iron Circus Comics, for example. That's a perfect example of somebody. Spike Trotman, she knows what she's doing. She's, she's managed to make a, a career uh, doing Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. The same thing with Brian Polito. Like every time you turn around, he's got a new Kickstarter going for, uh, for one of his projects. Sure. And you know, pulls in like $150,000, 100, know, $175,000 of each one.
2: Paul Miotti was doing, like, exclusively Kickstarters for a while there, too. Oh, yeah,
4: it? absolutely. absolutely. Lemire, Lemire, um, has a new, Lemire has a new
2: Kickstarter that just started up, uh, like, a week or two ago.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Sean Murphy is getting ready to do an Indiegogo campaign for his project, The Plot Holes. You know, I mean, you know, it really depends on what... And Sean, in Sean's case, he doesn't have to. I'm sure DC was perfectly willing... To pay him whatever they wanted to pay him for whatever follow-up yeah. project he wanted to do after his Batman, the Batman series. Yep.
0: Yeah, I see here. Yeah, Cosmic Detective Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent. They had a goal <laughs> of thirty-five thousand. They are at one hundred and thirteen thousand six sixty-one right now with twenty days ago. Yeah. Like that's that, that's some loyalty.
4: <laughs> it is absolutely, but they they built the. I mean, that's the thing about you know, more so with, with Kickstarter than with uh, Indiegogo. Yeah. is that you can't you can all, almost can't even go in there blind. You have to have some sort of not popularity, but you have to have some sort of like you have to have a following. Yeah, yeah, who the, are not just willing to pledge to the campaign, but are willing to spread the word.
0: Yeah, the days of potato salad on Kickstarter are are way past <laughs> us. <laughs> although I although, although I do I think I I, I did actually pledge at least a dollar to potato salad at the time when it was up there. Uh, I don't know if I would today, but that's that's beside the point.
4: But yeah, well, he did he did good with the, with the potato salad party. The, you yeah, know, he, oh yeah, he, 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 he,
0: he <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> He did well. Yes, he did. Uh, IndieGoGo is is a much different beast than Kickstarter, though, because yeah, you get uh, uh, to put it lightly inconsistency over over mm-hmm. at IndieGoGo. You know, you, you've you've got you've got some great creators on there, and then you've got ones that, uh, yeah, it's not nearly as good.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll just, just we'll, we'll just. Uh, I it. just want my Spawn action figure that I paid for. And that's all I want.
0: <laughs> when did you get a Spawn action figure on IndieGoGo?
2: Okay, no, so, no. On so Kickstarter, Tom oh, Tom Kickstarter. oh, okay. asked for $100,000 on Kickstarter oh, to God. remaster, quote-unquote, the first Spawn action figure. So the first one came out in, what, 1996, maybe, oh,
5: Lord. with yeah.
2: a, four uh, cut joints or something. And then now this thing is like the toy 7-inch bi- Toy Biz Marvel Legends equivalent with double-jointed knees, oh, ball ankles, every sort of articulation you could cream about and think of if uh-huh. you're an action figure guy and i was like i've never had a spot in action figure that looks cool 40 bucks sure put me down uh-huh. in the end over 30 days you raised three point four three million
5: bucks yeah. i say yeah 3.4
2: yeah. yeah and then instead of stretch goals which i kind of thought this was cool he gave rewards like uh you hit a million bucks or something and then he goes okay we hit a million bucks thank you very much everybody's now getting a second painted head for all the different combinations because there's like three different combinations uh, kinds of figure. And then uh, everybody's getting two weapons now, and everybody's getting an extra set of hands and blah, blah, blah. So instead of a stretch goal like pay me more money, it was like, hey, this is doing so well, I can afford to do this. I can afford to do this. (laughs) <laughs> and apparently, there's going to be more coming. So I don't know. It seems cool. Twenty-three
0: thousand backers for this. Twenty-three thousand seven hundred sixty-one backers pledged three million four hundred forty-seven dollars and sorry, three million four hundred forty-seven thousand three hundred ninety dollars. To this. Well, it's yeah. not
4: like it's not like he doesn't have the infrastructure to get to get people their reward. Exactly. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That that you don't need to worry about too much there. Like, but but you know, I still remember the days when the you know the best uh, the best uh, doing Kickstarter was the Veronica Mars movie, and we've we've long since passed that on some of these things.
1: Yeah. yeah that's true. God, especially in the days of like Critical Role now. Jesus. Oh my God! Please. Yeah.
0: But I mean, also talk about uh you know followings like guys like that can you know definitely leverage their existing audience to put out product that's that's gonna you know make them money and also make their make their people happy and that's that's really all you can ask for
2: he's pretty incredible i follow him on instagram he seems like he's constantly a nice guy and that's the impression i get as well as talking Mm -hmm. but like he's doing stuff with the Action figure on Instagram all the time talking about features and whatnot. And yeah. then his email campaign during the Kickstarter was like pretty informative and up to date all the time. I could uh, appreciate that as a backer. But like before all this, the reason I knew about it was because of Instagram. He's constantly posting little doodles on there and different things on that. Like he's active. So if you're a creator and want to know the right way to do it, maybe mm. Todd McFarlane. I'm not sure.
4: I mean, hey, I. I, uh, I- <laughs> you know what? I I still can't forgive Todd to this day. Why? I'll tell you a quick I'll tell you a quick story. Go ahead. First First Wizard Fan Awards, first uh Philly Comic Con way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Tom McFarlane had a bet with Peter David, lost a bet, showed up at the Fan Awards in a chicken suit, right? Yeah. So, after that there was a part there was the after party after the Fan Awards. So, it's me, it's uh Nelson, it's Mark Morales and a couple of other people. Todd comes over, starts talking to us, and he's he's going, he's going on. He's had a little bit of drink. He's going on. It's like you know, and I just want you know, I'm just poking at him, and he starts poking me in the ribs with his bony little (laughs) finger. I'm just poking at him. I'm trying to let him know that it's a joke, and I'm and and he's poking me hard. I'm just like, dude, what are you (laughs)
0: doing? Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I could go, I could say afterwards is,
3: "Hoo hoo." <laughs> well, now we've entered the uh, the comics B two section. Of the
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Hey,
0: I'd still rather hear McFarland talk than Liefeld any day of the week. All right, <laughs> even after hearing that story, Jamal. I, I... Yeah. That's really the only way that I can put that safely. I think we can put the uh, the, the distribution to bed a little bit and maybe talk a little bit about uh, about some other topics. But uh, any any final thoughts on 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 this particular uh, aspect uh, that we may want to address, uh, uh, Chris? You got anything else you wanted to bring up
3: on distribution, digital things? Yeah, yeah. The fact that Shonen Jump app is still the best deal in all of comics.
0: Yes, my God, yes. <laughs> it it's what two bucks
3: it is two dollars a month that's before tax but the tax is like 17 cents yeah so and you know and it's funny like we talk about what kids are reading the fact that they're not reading you know the comic the superhero comics but it's like yeah because they can get all these shonen jump comics for two dollars a month
2: (laughs) yeah as a parent i would support that oh definitely (laughs) my god yes
0: (laughs) And and the the other thing that I need to bring up uh, before before I let anybody else have uh, final thoughts on this topic is, once again, people, readcomiconline.to is a pirating site. Even if it's the first thing that comes up when you put Read Comics into Google, (sighs) it is not legit. Comics are not free from the big two. Okay? I just wanted to make that perfectly clear. Read it if you want to. I'm not stopping you because you're crazy to begin with, and so am I on occasion. But, like, <laughs> it, just know that it's piracy. Just because it says read comics online in high quality in the frickin' text doesn't mean that it's sponsored by Marvel or DC or anything like that. Because I've literally known people who have gone into this site thinking that it was legit. And it takes three seconds of being on this site to know that it's not legit.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah sure if you're going to be Jamal's a pirate, be there. a real fucking pirate and use Uncle Bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that brings it back.
2: From Torrent, yes.
3: <laughs> I'm sure Jamal's comics are on there because I know I found Dave Gallagher's comics on there.
4: So. Uh, my comics are everywhere. Yeah. They're <laughs> there. They're there. I, uh,
2: so I wanted to bring up this distribute this COVID distribute not distribution per se, but the COVID and maybe the Dan De uh, exaltation has basically we think killed 5G. What was to be 5G we don't know yet. Unclear
5: because it was
2: supposed to launch with this free comic book day
5: yeah
2: uh, comic which is no has what came and gone. Mm-hmm. It's now middle of May yeah, and it, I guess it's missing from solicitations and. The 5G books that were solicited are missing from the schedules of the makeup days from Diamond so far. I I thought I had heard... I I wonder what the plan is for DC.
0: I thought I had heard that that was delayed until September, but that could also be just Scuttlebutt for all I know. But it it, it wouldn't surprise me,
2: because...
4: I I had heard that... If the deal was the driving force...
2: Yeah, but if the deal was the driving force on it and he gets fired and you go oh i'd never whoever's in charge probably had a reason maybe it was i never liked that guy's ideas why would you go forward with his the last idea that he was driving um i don't know
0: i i fully expect if these are if this is the 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 way that they're going to go if this is the way that they're going to you know pivot away from that um i fully expect these comics to show up at some point i just don't know if they'll be under the official, you know, DC banner, like maybe they'll wind up being black label or something, uh, just so that they can at least put the, the stuff that they've already made out in one way or another.
4: Um, I would imagine that it would probably turn into like a separate event instead of whatever plans they had for replacing. And I'm basing this on completely on rumor. Cause oh yeah. I've done, I've done one thing for DC recently and, it's very, very minor, so I have like no sure. insight on this yeah. at all. Exactly. But I would imagine that whatever work's been done or whatever work they are continuing to do will probably end up being its own event yeah. rather than and a line-wide initiative like the rumor mill was saying it was going to be. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, who I was all knows? down for
2: Luke Fox's Batman, but I could see how that could not be... A long-term idea.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, maybe they'll just bring back Thunderstrike. I'm sorry, that's Marvel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's still, a white guy being Thor. You're not upsetting the apple cart, as you are. Like, <laughs>
0: that's making that's Batman black. G- good, good, good point.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Brandon, you got anything else you want to bring up on distribution?
1: I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. Honestly, yeah. uh, uh, hopefully, it'll get me. You know, having more than one. Distributor getting comics out the stores will get me interested in what's coming out again as honestly, I'm just I've been backlogged and I've been going through a lot of old stuff yeah. maybe having having new ways to get things to get comics out to, to me would be better get me back into reading more newer stuff again
2: sure
0: yeah no that's, that's, that's perfectly fair I'd like to be I guess
2: up. the one question we never asked. Was is multiple distributors long term? We say it's a good thing for the industry, it's a good thing for comic shops to get deeper discounts or whatever, but is it going to drive prices down on books for consumers?
4: Not for the time being.
2: No, yeah.
4: The only thing that would bring that would possibly bring the numbers down is selling more volume and you got to get more customers. And right now, if you're just limiting yourself to comic shops and not trying to find other outlets to get books out there, it's hard to bring uh, bring in customers. Because comic shops, in spite of how much work a lot of really good shop owners have done over the last, I'd uh, say, 10 years, to try to make their shops more open. Because, you know, I'm from the old days. I remember, you know, when I used to work at Hanley's and at uh, Forbidden Planet back in... <laughs> the early 90s you know when chris was telling her story earlier i remember working at you know at hanley's and when the the rare woman would walk through the door every guy's head turned <laughs> in their direction Like they'd never seen a woman before, and half of it was creepy lust. The other half was revulsion, as in how dare you come into the honeycomb hideout. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, dear
4: God. So a lot of stores have done a really good job of making their stores more family-friendly is the wrong word, but more palatable. Mm Mm-hmm. To be in instead of, you know, smelling like a gym locker.
0: B.O. <laughs> and sadness is the way that I, is, yeah, is what I like yeah. to describe
2: it as. Yeah. I feel like the resurgence of manga helped that out.
4: Yeah, but, but the resurgence of manga is felt more in the bookstore market than it is necessarily sure. in, in comic shops. Comic yeah. shops as a whole still has that stigma of being, you know, kind of creepy. Thank you, Big Bang Theory. Uh, <laughs> Still like that show. Oh, fuck uh, that show. Good uh, for you. Didn't help. Did not help.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like Penny. Sorry. Maybe that was what it was.
0: All right. Like her, like her just fine. I think this is the thing show was shit.
3: <laughs> you can talk to my mom about it, and She loves that show. All right. All right. <laughs> I do want to say that out of the shops in New York, like Hanley's, ended up being the most friendly. I know that isn't great, considering what Jabal just said, but <laughs> it was <laughs> another time. Like, I knew the guys. Yeah. You know, I knew the guys. I do remember one time that two guys called me a stupid white bitch. And I like went up to buy my stuff, and Nick saw the look on my face, and he's like, "What happened?" And I'm like, "I tell him." And him, he was like, "Where are they? Where are they?" And he's like, calling all the employees. They're trying to find the guys, but they had already left. But I just loved like he totally got the mama bear instinct. Oh yeah, yeah.
4: Oh I no, no. But, but that's the thing. It's Hanley Jim. One of the things that Jim did was. He made the store brightly lit. It had like they had white mm-hmm. bookshelves and yep. white walls. Yep. Everything we kept the place clean. We kept it organized. You know, we it it wasn't like like Ian. You remember. The old Forbidden Planet. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I do, too. <so. laughs>
3: <laughs> I also remember, uh, what was it? Mysterious Time Machine. Oh,
4: yeah. Oh, my Jesus. God. Jesus. I loved, I loved that place and hated it at the same time.
0: <laughs> there was another place uh, not too far from, uh, from Hunter uh, College uh, in, in the 80s that was on the second floor, like, on top of a, uh, of a, like a, a pet shop. Gotham City Thank you, Gotham City, that you walked in and even though it was on the second floor, it had that basement feel to it like, oh, <laughs> like it was it was cramped, every back issue was on top of each other, all the tray paperbacks were in bags like it it just it, it was not inviting to anybody, whether you were a guy, a girl, a, a human or a dog like it' just it not not appealing. Uh, I'm glad we're past that era. <laughs> I hope.
4: <laughs> I hope. I hope so too. Yeah. Uh,
3: also, I'm also glad we did that episode where we bitched about everything we hated about New York shops, and <laughs> right, complained about it an episode later.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I we, I, I like that we did get some people applauding St. Mark's afterwards, and and even some people saying that they had good experiences, but nobody exactly like differentiated from what we said <laughs> you know like it, about it being not the friendliest or inviting place they just happen to have better experiences than we did so go figure <laughs> St. Mark's don't exactly miss it still don't sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> alright let's talk let's talk a little bit of a topic that Brent wanted to bring up on this episode Uh mainly exercise you know exercise is very important in the time of covid19 everybody's got to make sure to get out and stretch and you know i bought just dance just to ensure that i'm at least exercising a little bit i i you know aerobics i got myself a uh uh stationary bike that i've been using occasionally oh and robert pattinson isn't working out as batman um that
2: (laughs) (laughs) nothing He's not doing a bad job (laughs) <laughs> he's physically not working out during quarantine is what, basically what it is. So there's a GQ article that came out, I don't know, today, yesterday, whatever. So they did a interview and photo shoot from quarantine for Robert Pattinson. And he talks about being the Batman. And the gist of it is he's not working out during quarantine because, and the quote here is, probably out of context but here's the quote in the article if you're working out all the time you're part of the problem (laughs) and that actors like james dean didn't have to work out back in the day and so there's some sort of unrealistic expectations on actors now to work out and bulk up for roles and then i was like okay i agree there is an unhealthy expectation on everybody to have a Six-pack now, you look at James Dean or Jimmy Stewart, all those guys with their shirts off back in the days. Hell, even the bodybuilders couldn't cut a six-pack back in the day because you didn't have the tr- nutrition technology, whatever the fuck is going on right now. Who knows? My point <laughs> I wanted to make is I think you're missing the boat on who Bruce Wayne is. He is the guy who is like so driven to be the human point of perfection mentally- and physically, that he is driven himself to achieve the great heights he achieves in the comics, at least, right? You always see the thing of, like, I don't know where this was from, a movie or animation, or in books where he's, like, doing pull-ups staring at the back computer or just thinking because that's, like, the way he can spend his time and still maintain physicality at the same time. And it's like, I think you're missing the boat here. Well, how you want to spend your time during quarantine is up to you, but when you talk like that, like... I don't know. I'm just going to piss off some fans. Now, I, I know he's wearing a bulky ass suit, so it won't matter. But when you see Bruce Wayne as a skinny little nugget and then see Batman as a bulky guy, you're going to know that it's padding the same way, even though like, you watch Shazam and you're like, that's a padded suit. You still looked at Zachary Levi during interviews, and that guy was still jacked. And I was like, at least you put it on, and even though they put more padding on you, like, that's not your fault, bro.
0: Well, oh, oh. Okay, so first off, looking at the actual pictures from the GQ article, he doesn't exactly look like a skinny little nugget here. Like
2: he okay, okay. So I'm going based off the Marvel attitude, I guess. Whereas like every guy that they get immediately gets like giant pecs, you know, um, right? Bigger than the supermodels have boobs and stuff, and it's like enormous. Like even Anthony Mackie has maintained his. Falcon physique to like a ridiculous level where he just looks yeah. puffy all the time. Like, I watched the, the Apple TV movie, The Banker, and mm-hmm. it's buff Anthony Mackey in the 1940s, like, chiseled and jacked in this 1940s suit. And it's like he fills it out so much, he just stands out next to everybody else. <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Yeah, well,
4: uh, I, I, I read excerpts of uh, Pattinson's interview, and to use a wrestling term, the whole thing felt like a work. Yeah, maybe. It, 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 honestly, it, it, it felt it felt like he was doing like a little Andy Kaufman thing, mm-hmm. where he was just screwing around, like trying to maintain, like, yeah, you know, look at me, I'm all weird and, <laughs> and serious. And <laughs> if oh. you want to be weird and serious, don't do
2: the Batman. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want it, to maintain perfect. that attitude, don't do the Batman. Hey,
0: hey, hey Brent, who just played the Joker? Joaquin. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Boom. What's your point? (laughs) My my point is, we just came off of one of the most eccentric actors in Hollywood who legitimately once tried to make everyone believe he had gone off the deep end and decided to quit acting to become a rapper. (laughs) Be, you know, the biggest villain in the Batman universe. And... Batman's cuckoo bananas himself. We know this, okay? The man dresses up as a fucking bat.
4: Okay, all right. Wait, hold on, hold on. Batman's not crazy. All right. Okay. Jamal, please, put me in my place. Batman <laughs> is not crazy. Uh-huh. Okay. He's motivated to the
2: point of extinction. Right? He's,
4: he's He is mo- the The best take on Batman and may he rest... In peace, Marty Pasco is uh, Batman mask of the Phantasm. Mm-hmm. Yes, is yes. where he he's trying to keep a promise that he made. And at one point, he was he was saying, "Maybe I could just give money to the police. They can get somebody else to do this. Why do I have to be the be the one that, did, that does this?" Yes. You have to remember, in most of, of Batman's origin stories, the reason why he became Batman was that the the corruption in Gotham City ran from the mayor's office all the way down to the street sweepers. There wasn't anybody that that was trustworthy except for him. Yeah, for a while, Harvey Dent and Jim Gordon. Hmm. So Batman does what he does. I think of Batman as being a a person who he is about controlling the engagement. Hmm. Whether it's a conversation or a fight. Because he's trying to keep what, what happened to him from happening to other people. Yes. So it doesn't make him crazy. It makes him motivated Fair. and dedicated. Yeah.
0: All right. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you that.
2: I'll definitely give even, you that. Even like the, the little uh, light featherweight Walter, – not Walter Waite. But, yeah, like the featherweight UFC guys, they still got tons of definition – and there, that's all about control—the jujitsu and all that right, stuff. Absolutely. So it's not to say that you're not—you can just do jujitsu and be about control and not have strength and definition. Like that's not a true story. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I, I think I think that um, if I get a Batman that's like Tim Sale-esque, you know, if I get a Batman that is you know statuesque but also not like so jacked that it hurts. Right. That I'm going to be okay, and I I hope that that's what I get out of Pattinson. And I'm still fully convinced that I'm going to get a damn good acting experience out of Pattinson because Pattinson is a much better actor than anybody gives him credit for. Um, and I think that even though he is Kaufman-esque in real life, like they literally use those words in the GQ in the GQ article, so you mm-hmm. so you're right on that, Jamal. Um, that he could turn out the type of performance that we want to see from a Batman actor. And we won't know until the movie's out. So So
3: I think a lot of, I mean, I think his refusal to bulk up is really just, I mean, as he said, it is a pushback against these unrealistic, ridiculous expectations. When Brent brought it up that he wanted to talk about this, I did actually like read a bunch of pieces. And one guy pointed out that he had like that gym obsession to look like movie characters mm-hmm. and it was funny because all the women in his life were like what are you doing it doesn't look right what's wrong with you <laughs> While well, all his male friends were like yo man you're an inspiration <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you yeah, like i see the-, the kumal picture and i'm like Ugh, yeah, oh, no. yeah no, oh, his no. head
3: is wrong for that body yeah oh. <laughs> but just to just to finish my thought here like going from the more like female perspective i would i go with ian saying that i would like to see something more like tim sale because a lot of the heroes are more they're being male they're male aspirational figures rather than like the cheesecake for women because yeah yeah i'll admit it i like looking at chris Hem- chris hemsworth when he plays thor he takes his shirt off it's kind of great but at the same time uh i know there's a cover there's a Sorry, there's a meme where they talk about like Hugh Jackman, and they had him on like Men's Health, and he was Wolverine, and he had his pecs out and his things. And then there was a women's magazine, also Hugh Jackman, and he was wearing like a sweater, and he had like a mixing bowl in front of him. And they're like, "Come on, let's be honest. Which one do the women want to date on this one?" And they, it was right. I preferred the Hugh Jackman in the sweater. Yeah, it was sexier to me.
0: I, I still, I still prefer Parks and Recreation Pratt to. You know, Jurassic World Pratt, or 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 Guardians of the Galaxy Pratt in physique, and and not like completely flubber uh, Pratt, which he was at times during like the like the second like the first and second seasons of Parks and Rec. But when he like lost a little bit, but he was still, you know, he still looked human. Um, I I highly appreciate that because I'm thinking to myself, when the hell does start does a guy like like him have time to work out on that ship which is not a very big <laughs> ship you know like the guardians of the galaxy should have a little bit of 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 a pudge in my opinion because star lord ain't ain't going to the gym okay <laughs> that's that's the way i feel about it
2: yeah but he's got all that alien technology to suck out all the bad stuff that he eats oh my god no <laughs> That's called a toilet, okay? Or or is eating so much weird alien food uh-huh. that his body's working overtime to digest it and then ends up getting him shredded well, without any actual work.
0: Congratulations Brent, you won the no prize, okay? It'll be mailed to you immediately never.
2: <laughs> I want that technology. That's what I want. <laughs> Brandon, do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Uh yeah, a couple. Just a couple of quick things. First Got off, it. you're gonna get the Shredded Patents in. I I guarantee it unfortunately. Yeah. Uh because well, after the backlash now <laughs> Well not not even that because <laughs> they're gonna call it, a, tomorrow. Well it, first off, he's in quarantine. They're not they're not shooting, so right. they're not gonna be shooting for a couple months. Yeah. And it and honestly Hollywood now has has the formula where they can get an actor from Flabby to Shredded in less than three months. Yeah. So
5: yeah.
1: it's not a big deal. Even if it's not working out, it's not that big of an issue for Pattinson.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh you just have to do like one shirtless scene and they can check it off the box and then you eat whatever you want after
1: that. <laughs> that's what they did with Ben Affleck. Exactly. and, look, here's, yeah. and here's, here's the here's thing. They're going they're going to cut his they're going to cut his order uh for like 24 to 40 hours before the shoot anyway. Mm-hmm. So he'll look extra shredded because that's what you do. Yeah. And you'll get that, you know, that shirtless batman scene. I'm not worried about this at all. And I think, you know, because Pattinson is so kitschy in general, I think this was, you know, like we were saying, this really was a pushback against like the whole idea of, you know, you have to be this very um, austere, you know, very studious, well-practiced actor to be Batman. you got to be intense all the time. You don't have to be intense all the time. You have to be an actor. That's what you're paid to do. You're paid to act for the film. You don't have to be the actual character. Yeah.
0: And, and and somewhere, uh, Christian Bale was reading this article in GQ and going, "Oh,
1: good for you." <laughs> he's, he's going, "Oh, fuck! You mean I could have done this?" But I will say though, the spaghetti thing blew my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so should we should we take bets on New Mutants actually coming out in theaters ever? Comboed with Ezra Miller still remaining the Flash
4: in a there movie is, that does is, come out. Brent, there is no New Mutants movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> all it, it's they all. They keep talking about it. Hey, there, it's, there, there it's is just no. it's just cutscenes from Dark Phoenix.
1: <laughs> did something for one summer? I don't know. I, there are, I, the way that I, a war with the walls Bossing say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> First off, job well done. You get all the stars. Uh, and second off. Uh, the way I put it on uh, I think it was I think it might have been when uh, when Mario Muscar posted it on Facebook I'm like man these these new mutants have, have been in a can so long they're old mutants already like just <laughs> just, just 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 let it go release it to freaking Disney Plus
4: get it over it, with it's just a fe- it's just a fever dream from a bunch of Fox executives <laughs> sitting around smoking meth God, Listen,
1: Kevin somewhere is. is dying God it's like uh, it's like you know remember uh, tennis ball? She used to come in canisters that yeah. were vacuum sealed yep. that's this fucking movie right here <laughs> <laughs>
2: just pop just, there you go let it, let it be free Schrodinger's mutants they exist and they don't exist I think it's
0: actually stuck in a pneumatic tube somewhere like, like they, huh. like they, they, they the print and they put it in one of those mail, mail tubes, and it's just stuck in, the, in the middle of one because no one knows how to freaking open those things anymore. Some
1: giant Rube Goldberg device here, dun 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 <laughs> dun dun, 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 dun <laughs> it's stuck somewhere over there.
2: Exactly. Yeah. This is like the eighth release date or something. It's had. It, I don't know. It, aug, August now.
0: It's, it's it's insane, and uh, I. Ugh, man, I I cannot wait to go back to a movie theater, but I'm in the same boat as as you Jamal. I think it's going to be quite some time for me. I think. Oh yeah, uh,
4: I'm not going anywhere near. Um, not anytime soon. Yeah,
0: and I I feel bad for places like uh, Alma Drafthouse that you know make their money off of uh, beer and food and the movie experience because I think they're just going to be even if they do wind up reopening mostly movies and that's it because there's only you know so many foods you can serve in, a, in, a, in an atmosphere like that.
5: Yeah. They,
3: yeah. they actually sent a survey around asking what people would be comfortable with going back to Alamo. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, would you be okay with a limited menu? Yeah. Do you want spaces between the seats? I mostly just responded I was like as long as there isn't like a huge fucking crowd in the bar like yeah. just kick people out I think I'll be okay with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if they, if they do spacing between people and they actually, you know, do every other row and stuff like that then it may be worth it in the end, but it's going to be a it's going to be a real learning curve and but hey, I'm still hoping that the rumor going around that Amazon is buying AMC theaters is actually true because that's going to be really interesting.
1: <laughs> oh, oh I've got some beef, though, with that also. I'm sure you do, man.
0: Go ahead, spill.
1: Well, not so much with Amazon buying AMC, but just AMC in general, I believe, with them showing their whole entire ass for... Uh,
2: the Universal stuff?
1: Universal stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know.
2: That- Universal should have just put Fast 9 on VOD the very next day as, like, <laughs> fuck you. <Yeah. laughs> $25 to buy.
1: Honestly, I would and I would I would have bought it because I, was, I would I would have bought been, it. I would I would have been in Universal's camp for this one cuz oh, yeah. they're be, they're being smart. You have a movie ready to go in in uh, in the can. Just put it out there. Yeah. So people have something so people have something to do. you're you're actually being magnanimous in mm-hmm. this in this instance where you're actually giving something to the people so they can enjoy during this really shitty time. Yeah. And AMC's like, oh fuck, you're fun. I want my money. <laughs> st-
2: I can tell you that forty eight hours where we had Trolls World Tour rented for twenty bucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. my kids watched it like at least eight times.
0: Yeah, they made they made more money off of that than they probably would have made in in the theaters. And and the
4: same thing's going to happen with Scoob.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. Scoob's coming out uh, Friday, Friday. I think. Yeah, that's it. I mean, hell, I may even rent Scoob to be honest, because it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, But part of me still thinks, I mean, and bringing it back to comics for a minute, uh, and we can pretty much end on this when I, I, you know, is that I'm still somewhat convinced that there's going to come a time where they're not going to be able to delay Wonder Woman and Black Widow any longer, and it's going to be in theaters and VOD, like,
2: simultaneously, Oh, well, as, as long as they're not in production for the other stuff still? Yeah.
4: yeah. They can delay those movies as much as they want. But, but they're, they're going are... back in production for uh what, for uh Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, they are. Are yeah. they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. The Czech republic said that they could start filming again. Excellent.
0: Okay, that's 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 good to know. That's that's very good to know. But I mean,
2: But yeah, I'm sure all those TV shows are lined up with those movie releases exactly. Mm-hmm. So in in such a way that we're probably going to get delays of mm-hmm. all the Disney Plus TV content because I'm sure they were supposed to weave in and out well, into each other. Like that's Feige's whole master plan but, is I got to go see every movie because there's a little, little stinger on the end of everyone for the next one. But
0: Black Widow was supposed to come out in May, and Falcon Winter Soldier wasn't supposed to come out until September.
2: Right, um, well, that's what I'm saying it's they, it could still come out in September, but yeah, if there i a um, I don't know teaser stinger whatever, maybe it's got to. They got to time that release somehow.
0: Disney Plus was hurting for content. There was a whole article that that came out about oh, that, yeah. Um, and, is. Which is why, again, I will not be surprised if, come August, we suddenly get that blockbuster news that Black Widow is coming out on Disney Plus.
4: And oh, that, come on. They're releasing Hamilton in July.
0: Yes, they are. And I will watch it seven uh, times, oh, even though I've yes. seen it three times in, 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 you know, on, uh, twice on Broadway and once in Chicago. I don't give a shit. I'm going to watch it again.
2: That's going to be my way. wife's new obsession is that because she listened to the soundtrack like weeks on end before and after we saw it when it came on tour here in
4: Orlando. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen it. I've been wanting to see it for years. Oh, you're going to love it,
2: man. Uh, oh, it's amazing!
0: Because there's there's little bits that are in the show that are not on the
2: soundtrack.
5: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and show, are they going to say I, I show, fuck
2: on Disney Plus? Yeah, probably. Are they? Yeah, I wouldn't surprise they, me. They're not showing the girl's ass and splash.
0: I oh would say say fuck. No, if they if they censor Hamilton, that's going to be a mistake.
3: I don't mm. think they're. Wait, where is the word fuck even in Hamilton? There's just
0: fuck and a oh, yes. lot of
2: stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of I, think a, I don't know. I read somewhere that there's fucks. I've only seen it once. I haven't listened to the soundtrack, so if there don't are then
0: there then there's PG thirteen amounts of fucks. Like they, they there might be, you know, one or two and that's about it.
5: Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so the one. Be- yeah. All right, guys. I think I think that's basically about it. I mean anybody anybody else got anything else they want to bring up real quick before we wrap up?
4: no well, i'm good
0: <laughs> all right cool uh
5: i
3: just found a breakdown of all the swearing in hamilton oh shit jeez <laughs> there is there is fuck and motherfucking but also fuck and who the fuck and also a lot of damn damned, goddamn right. shit and whore so, not, so, so
2: <laughs> i wasn't concerned about the other ones it's the f one that's disney where's,
3: seems yeah, concerned where's, the, with. where's the f-bomb at I don't know. I'm just...
0: Well, well, I mean, there. I mean, there's, there's a, There's one. Uh, well, there's. Sit down, John. You
1: fat mother. Fat fucker. mother. It cuts out right.
0: Uh, I think in the show it doesn't actually cut out. Doesn't cut out. Mine did. Really? Huh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh,
3: I, now I, I remember where fuck was. Where? It's from the Yorktown oh, uh, Hercules Mulligan. That's site. right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, whatever.
3: We'll Spoilers, see. Spoilers, Jamal.
2: We're telling you where the fucks are. <laughs> All right.
3: good for Katie.
4: Exactly.
0: Uh, Jamal, uh, tell everyone where they can find your
4: wares. Um, you can find me everywhere. Just look up Jamal Igle, I G L E, on the interwebs. I am on Twitter. I am on Facebook. I have a couple of pages coming out in Teen Titans Go to Camp. Oh wow! Three page sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful.
2: So I'm uh, not sure that'll make the cut, my friend.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so three got, pages. Three pages. So I uh, so I've got that. Uh, like I said, I just finished White. That'll be coming out later this year at some point, and I'm starting on the uh, the Wrong Earth season two this week, actually. So that'll probably be coming out. I think either later this year or early 2021 nice
0: and uh, and it's uh jamal Eagle artist with underscores in between the words on instagram
5: yes it is
0: <laughs> since you brought that back <laughs> <laughs> uh awesome and th- thanks for coming on man it's been way too long since we've talked
4: oh my pleasure thanks for inviting
0: me absolutely my pleasure uh chris where, where can they find you
3: well, I mean, yes, at Engadget, you know, because those are the people that pay my salary. Yes. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, at Lampain on Twitter if you want to annoy me and, and tell me I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know. And then let me mute you. It's great.
2: And then just go to the official Twitter, right? And we can annoy you there, too? <laughs> no. The two Twitters are no longer a thing?
3: No, no. I still have the other Twitter. I just don't care.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, uh, it's double the pleasure, double the fun.
3: It has its own column and tweet deck, but it's like <laughs> off to the side, so I have to scroll to look at it.
0: <laughs> Brandon, where where can they find you?
1: Uh, you can find me at the Dabadon anywhere on the social medias. That's pretty much it right now. Uh, uh, follow my co-host whenever we record. He actually just released a... He did a video for... Uh, actually for... A contingency of G.I. Joe cosplayers, uh, actually, which had official uh, voice over by the original Cobra Commander from the, car- from the cartoon. That's cool. Wow. Um, so follow him at Ados Baron. That's really about it.
2: Awesome.
0: And uh, Cassina?
2: You can find me on Twitter at NightwingBK with a K on both ends. Uh, and most, most importantly, you can find me over at the BK's Bullets Facebook page and YouTube channel. Just got to search. I'm right there. We're also cross-posting those videos on the Comic Timing Facebook page, which you should also like if you don't already like it. There's great stuff there. You can interact with me and Ian. Um, but if you want the first run quality BK's Bullets stuff, subscribe to YouTube, like that Facebook page.
0: Yeah, and I'm correcting you already. Your your Twitter handle is at Casina B.
2: Oh, I thought it was back. <laughs> Whatever. Twitter's, Twitter's just a retweet profile for me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um,
3: social media maven there.
0: Exactly. Uh, and and for for anybody who uh, hasn't checked it out yet, uh, listen to Comic uh, Geek Speak episode 1769. Uh, we did a micro spotlight on uh, the Wifeline uh, tablet saga of Amazing Spider-Man, issues uh, 68 through 75. And it was the first time I ever read it, and it is freaking fantastic and we had on uh dan gavazdin of the amazing spider talk podcast on that episode uh to join in on it and dan is a hoot and a holler and it was an excellent excellent episode so if you're going to check out any of my recent comic geek speak stuff that's where i would point you to specifically uh episode 1769 over at comic and uh you can find me at uh at i underscore am underscore sci-fi on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else basically that's, it's, it's what I roll with so that's that with that All right. and the uh, the email address for comic timing is Timing at gmail.com uh, facebook.com slash comic timing uh, once again for any future comic book conversation or otherwise uh, from these posts uh, I'll also direct you over to the comic geek speak uh, super group as a lot of the people here uh, post in that uh, as well uh, so you can uh, go ahead and, uh, and head over to Facebook uh, and search for that and uh, join that up if you haven't already done so. Uh, we're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over dot comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over at comicbooknoise.com slash league. So once again, for Jamal, for Brent, for Chris, and for Brandon, I'm Ian reminding everybody out there that there's always time for comics. And go read some. You're stuck inside anyway.
2: You there? Did I lose you? Deep in thought. Dang it. I was so close.
3: There uh, goes uh, your expert opinion. No. Um,
0: Come back out of the light, Jamal. Don't go too far.
4: <laughs> okay. You back? I think I'm back. All right. There we go. Every so often, every couple of hours, it, it goes, it re- like the screens shut down and everything. You know, all the windows closed and I gotta like reopen it. It's a security thing.
2: Delightful. Well, <laughs> it's a feature, not a bug. Yeah.
5: <laughs>
2: Please understand.
4: Okay. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> all right.
5: <laughs>
0: and that is that. Whew. Good job, gentlemen. Uh, that was awesome. I have one
2: question for Jamal. Yes do, okay. do I have to read the Dragonfly Dragonfly Man miniseries to understand Wrong Earth Volume Two? I. You know what? I don't know yet. <laughs> I just want to do the comic <laughs> geek voice.
0: Um. Uh, uh, um is, is is there a reason why in issue three his left leg was colored forest green, but in every other issue it is colored lime green?
2: Hey, I will have you know, I was, I was we, letting Jamal right. know about comicsology errors in the early days. Oh God! Wrong Earth one or two. Some weird shit going on.